Welcome everyone. I hope this finds you well. This is the Elden Ring podcast, episode 12, The Unending Curse. On this one, we are going to be breaking down the Elden Ring trailer. I am really excited actually to dive back into this one. And um, it's been a few weeks, maybe even a few months possibly since the last episode. Um, all the life things have happened and all of the previous uh, folks who have joined me on the Elden Ring podcast, they're all in the panel to the right underneath me. So without further ado, let us crack on. The first thing we're going to do is I have the um, 4K trailer here from from software themselves. And um, the way I've got it set up is that I'm, I've just got the whole screen that you can just see here. I'm going to bring up our schedule on the podcast, which if you um, have Instagram and want to follow along on the podcast activities, you can do so at instagram.com forward slash Elden Ring podcast. And it uh, shouldn't be too much of a scroll to our little schedule. I usually look it up in our in my files, but I figured I would just sort of show you, I suppose, um, how far we've come. And um, we've, uh, we've had quite the adventure already, interestingly, which is really, really lovely. Um, so here we go. Now, I guess I could zoom in on that. But then it zooms it back in. It's weird. Um, okay. So on the previous episode, we had Jorge Perez, an amazing artist. Uh, Pamela, my old childhood friend who translated uh, whenever he needed, which he ended up not really needing at all. Um, and then uh, Terra, uh, Terra Pop, as you know him. Um, and that was, uh, yeah... An interesting episode, definitely. So for that one, that would have been, if we do the calculation here, uh, 15 second increments, so 15, 30, um, 45, one minute, Marika, which was um, with Kyle. Then we, uh, one minute and 15, one minute and 30, and one minute and 45. So if you're following along, we go to, um, our trailer at 1.45, and that is where we should be up to. Yeah, we basically reached halfway through, didn't we? Beautiful. There we are, making our way through, folks. So another thing I wanted to do um, on this episode was actually bring up, as you can see, I've got the Elden Ring Twitter here. Um, and I just wanted to show you this wonderful trick that Twitter can do. It's you go from, and then colon, and then you just add the Twitter... Um, account and you can actually read um, every single just unfiltered no ads no other feed stuff you just sort of if only Instagram and other places had something like this but and I really hope Insta um, I really hope Twitter doesn't get rid of it this uh, ability to just filter through everything so here we go we'll start from the latest one and I'll bring them all up on the screen okay in the wake of the shattering a blight claimed the mind of many a creature and man, beware their chaotic frenzy. So there you go, claiming the minds. Now what's interesting here is, um, you know, I, I don't think it was too long ago that I watched, it wasn't, um, actually I didn't watch it, but I just did a giant deep dive with like retrospectives and, you know, but it's, a, I, I, found, I love this film, it's a Sleepy Hollow, and this reminds me of something I would have seen in one of Ichabod Crane's, um, 
you know, strange flashbacks, you know. Very interesting. And when, with one of the eyes bulging out, like the steel, um, it evokes something that um, Miyazaki does with his design, which uh, just like the, the shell, the shell pilgrims from Dark Souls 3, they, um, uh, there's an explanation behind the left eye, I think, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, left is the feminine, so, and Maraca is, um, and that's in, in like, um, you look at, uh, like, certain health practices and, and, like, spiritualism and stuff, so, but symbolically the left is the feminine, the lateral, um, and, uh, I really hope I have that right, I think I do, and, you know, this is a world where, um, Maraca, uh, or Marika, as uh, Vati says, has sort of, um, I guess, corrupted, or maybe she has been corrupted. So there's a, there may be just as we saw with um, Bloodborne, uh, with the the beast, the beastly plague crawling up uh, the right side, or crawling up the leg, as it were. That this is maybe a continuation of that. Definitely, um, there's a bit of lovely symbolism here of you know. Uh, him like Miyazaki again all of this is deliberately placed uh you know there's a very dark soulsian looking knight behind him so this could be like oh him saying like a hey, dark souls is over and dark souls is dead and this is something completely different which i resonate with um i really do uh this is gonna be me getting a bit old and daggy and maybe make some young people roll their eyes is um uh how the right you can see the the cobblestones or or rather just the stonework there i'm such a i'm so perpetually impressed by how beautiful games are and i think things are moving at such a fast pace that we forget uh we've come so far in just like even 10 years but if you look at even 20 25 years ago it, it was irrecognizably different you know with the pixel and the 2d and stuff so the fact that we have people actually legitimately confusing um, games with film sometimes you know um, this was a I heard a scholar talking about the recent God of War well he was a Norse scholar it's from an IGN interview and um, he uh, you know, he was saying how, like, I, I've just been so unplugged from games, and it's this, he's, he's coming in to comment on all this Norse lore and Norse portrayals and such. It actually just released yesterday, I think, the video on IGN. And um, and he said, like, I've just had no idea. Actually, I thought the friend who sent me the clip, um, I thought they had got it wrong. I thought they had sent me the wrong clip, because it's like, this is a movie, not a game. So we've come a long way, and for me... You know, the fact that each of these rocks and stones is all individual and or looking at least. Maybe it's procedurally generated, but you know, it's just it's so so impressive, you know. Um and then yeah, I love that it's this Shawshank type style thing of like the rain falling and yeah, we move at such a fast pace nowadays, um, that uh this uh, it actually loops back to my very first episode of the podcast, which is, you know, and that's the, that's always been the spirit of the podcast not answerable to any of the conventions to anyone i just you know the truth of this show is me just doing it and um you know as you can see in the panel everyone who has been it's the the elden fellowship you know is there and uh, please you know jump on their channels there they're kindred but uh, for the show the heart of it for me um and my like most, most authentic self is like i just do my own that's why I call it Tweety Gamer. It's like I just I do my own 
daggy extensive in depth just stuff that where it's like you're actually letting it breathe and um you know and things have only gotten faster since 2015 when i started with episode one and the just that bloodborne you know um deep dive the three-part deep dive that i started podcasting with so um so it's something cozy and i'm i've in these recent times like i've just i've been really enjoying like revisiting that and like rediscovering that true identity of like me with the shows you know um it'll be nice when i have everything set up i know it's a bit you know basic in the background but uh the dslr is somewhere underneath me um the cables and stuff that uh you know at the moment i just i want to sort of i've got the elgato obviously with the nice quality audio but um yeah at some point we'll we'll get everything hooked up with like the the proper you know unlocked hdmi with the you know the cam the cam link you know that's all there waiting waiting to go so cool 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 um and yeah a little bit of moonlight there in the in the blood which just reminds me of you know moonlight blood bloodborne beautiful and the brazier there very yeah i i think these braziers that we've seen uh you know the hey they, they may end up just being environmental features but um but uh I just love the lighting, you know, in, in from software titles. Like, my favorite hub area of any of them is the Dark Souls 3 uh, Firelink Shrine so far, although this uh, um, Melina's Court, I guess, or Melina's Round Table is is likely to, to overtake that. So, yeah, which we'll get to, I think. It's going to be one of our screenshots. So I don't know if I can... Yeah, I can't just click left, but... Will that let me? Oh, that expands it. Okay. Well, I'll I'll expand all the others from here on, folks. Um, and you'd think that in 2021 there would be a um, keyboard left, keyboard right option, but no. We'll just go one by one. Okay. Here we go. Faith, knowledge. There are many forces that shape the world. Choose your masters with care. Okay. So this one, interestingly, a little bit lower resolution. Um, it's in, so it's so interesting. Uh, I, you know, I love Celtic knot work. Uh, it's part part of why my own patterns, you know, have that sort of intricate um, quality to them. Is just if you look at you know type or Google intricate Celtic knot work, and you'll be amazed that that is all one continuous line. And for some of my earlier works, uh, like um, if you go to my site, I think it's. It's in construction now, so I've, I've restarted everything. But if you just Google Albert Kessa metamorphogenesis, you'll see uh, that I created this piece, which actually started as all one line. It was all, but it was one line looped in back on itself, never interweaving. Heavens forbid that. So the Celts just had this sense of interweaving, my lord, you know, um, everything. Uh, and I think they saw that as, and, and like they're layered properly to it and if you look at the image balancing here um everything is layered uh, the same way that celtic knots uh in in our own world are, are layered it's beautifully done um and uh you know there's obviously the three rings have come to the fore so there are um you know it's not one for one celtic you know, because there's there's just that inspiration factor, and they're not actually depicting any actual Celtic symbols. But 
as in it's not an in-game like this is a celtic game it's taking inspiration from that it's not based on earth you know but what we can see here is obviously an allusion to like an anvil i believe this is a sacred symbol we're going to look it up celtic hammer symbol there we go so it's meant to sort of evoke this here and then let's do a little bit of meaning The hammer was used to protect and bless the community and ward off evil spirits. It was also a focal point for oaths, so if someone was going to promise or swear by the gods or by Thor, they could swear on the hammer, similar to how Christians might swear on the Christian Bible. Mjolnir means the grinder. Okay, so right there. So there's obviously an allusion to the hammer there. If you just sort of flip that around, I don't have any way of doing that, um, then that would sort of a little bit resemble what we're looking at here you know so in terms of something as a, of an altar to make a prayer to that that makes sense um but it it more than anything definitely is an npc uh, you know or a very interesting um uh outfit you know you know i i think the wheel is also going to be a symbol and like a faction in the series sorry in the game although i do hope elden ring does become a series um and this is a cultist who has a in a very miyazakian way has a wheel strapped to their neck uh surely as like a sign of like you know devotion to a certain um belief system and uh, we've seen allusions to a faction with a with a wheel as its as its icon you know so the little gargoyles let's talk about them they're adorable. Um, another, uh, you know, another lovely addition to the growing roster of like cute little from software creatures, which I want to say started with like the mushroom men in um, in Dark Souls One. I just remember Dark Souls One is having its anniversary very soon. So yeah, happy birthday, happy tenth birthday, Dark Souls. Um, yeah, these little gargoyle guys, yeah, so that it, you know, mushroom men, but in terms of the format, like, of that, you know, that's, it's the messengers from, from Bloodborne, like that spindly, small, diminutive, with, like, it's that sort of inquisitive and curious vibe. I love the white flames in the background as well. Uh, the cobwebs, so beautiful. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, if you're familiar with Oliver Harper, the youtuber he just did not just did oh my god years ago but i just i suppose i watched not too long ago uh rewatched the um dragon heart retrospective that he did and um and i really love the uh, uh i mean this looks like this character could have like walked straight out of that universe i hope to actually see a, a dragon heart remake that would be wonderful you know yeah a little bracket i'm just gonna open this feels great <laughs> heavy stuff in the background but just looking up at like what time is it see you'll see it there in the frame is a 2 55 a.m you know here in australia it's just bliss and it just reminds me of why i started the show in the first place i think tara would be able to re 
be able to relate he um he has his own channel he doesn't answer to anyone he just makes his stuff as he does and uh, i think that's how we connected as kindred spirits in the first place um you know we all just discover our authentic selves over time don't we and uh i have i have a saying it's interesting these gargoyles have masks but i'll just say it's like no matter how closely the mask resembles your own face and your own contours it's like this is a very close approximation to who i actually am but if it's not your actual face eventually that thing's gonna itch even if it fits you like 99 percent it's it's not just it's just not you and so yeah a lot of uh background stuff for like investigating creativity and my own contributions to art and entertainment in both uh, creating it itself and with the quantum myth and analysis and stuff and commentary you know so lots of heavy stuff in the background but let me tell you i'm sure there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the background for all of you uh and i hope the show is uh, a company in that I, i've certainly felt company from podcasts before so whatever you're going through uh, right now just know that a random australian at 2am took a little podcast detour to give you a hug and to tell you everything is going to be okay so and uh another thing if you like this um vibe of show this is the show going forward a trillion percent as i've actually been saying recently like i will not speak in any other vocal register than this on this show because yeah i just i don't vibe with the heightened youtuber type thing and plenty of other channels for that and often you'll ask any i think auth creatively authentic youtuber it's like why did you start your channel it's like well i didn't see something like what i wanted to see out there and so i started it myself so that goes back to 2015 for me uh, a lot of people join and start this thing to be like other people to do other things uh and there's a very good chance that uh unless you have this like in the background you know riding your bike um or you know doing dishes and you it's across the room and you can't press pause or whatever you know i face that uh there's a good chance you've skipped through some of the ambling but um but if you haven't and you vibe with it i just give you an even bigger hug right here you know You've got to take life at your own pace, man. Otherwise, you'll burn out. And, um, yeah, totally. Anyway, onwards forth, folks. Gargoyles. I just did some gargoyle stuff with Disney's gargoyles recently. I posted on my main um, Instagram and then cross-posted to the gargoyles podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't caught on, I have them on my main show, and then the topic I discuss, I double-post the episode. So one to the Albert Kessa podcast, and one to the topic podcast. So that's the premise of the show. Um, and uh, they talked about, like, wing, wing variants and stuff, but all that this reminds me of is, it's interesting, the gargoylings, uh, goyle chibis, I guess we can call them little Goyle chibis, maybe. I'll just call them that in the meantime. Um, I just realized one thing I might be able to do down the line is maybe have a chat going right there in the side panel. We'll see. But this is the format, so. Coolies. For lore in this one, you know, the, it's very likely that this is the seal of the Golden Order. Just because of how prominent the... Um, how that has been a prominent... Uh, you know, faction 
as discussed in in all of Elden Ring's um, you know uh, official you know paragraphs it's just been mentioned the golden order so if this is the seal of the golden order and this is a, this is a golden order cultist um surely like this sort of certainly evokes um you know a surrender of some kinds or a pleading of some kind there's certainly you know that semi-crucifix aspect i mean earlier i'll just try and do a little bit of a flicker between the two i said this thing about the upside down hammer well if i can do this successfully boom Boom. So if you were to flip that completely around, then you'd see that the person is making the sign of an upside down hammer. So again, a bit of an allusion maybe subconsciously to um, like the, the idea of the world being turned around, you know, uh, flipped on its head because of what um, Marika or Marika is doing, you know, uh, wonderful. Also, this uh, character has a bell right next to them, like strapped to their... Um, I'll just zoom in if it lets me. Excellent, right there. Yeah, that's definitely a bell, I would say. It's got that sort of distinctive shape, although, again, I say definitely, but we don't know for sure, I suppose. And in terms of this area, it is a, um, like an outside, not gazebo, but there's another word for it, like a pavilion of some kind. Um, Greek temple pavilion. Let's have a look, folks. Yeah, something like this. That's what it reminds me of, you know? A place of prayer. And specifically, it is it is simply, yeah, something more akin to this where it is just, you know... Oh, God, I just want to say, I, lo I love these structures so much. Man, oh, sorry, it just does that. Google just does that. Um, so beautiful. Like that idea of you just had a dedicated space for the gods, and so this person is clearly entreating a god of some kind. Um, or again, just speculation. For me, again, speculation is worth worth it unto itself, um, even if the creator is like, hey, I had no intention of anything of what you said. It's like just that free association um, uh, process is just engaging and inspiring and <laughs> it helps pass the time, but I think ultimately it is, it is additive to the discussion and to your experience because when I'm going through this section, uh, you know, in January, hopefully um, on stream, if I can work that out, um, it'll be on the mainstream. Yeah, I know I, I started the other one. I think we've, we've closed that one off. Uh, if you look at episode 320, I cover it on that one. So I'll probably archive that one and keep it for something later maybe that whole the albert kessa thing i was doing of being the albert kessa everywhere you know and if you're not planning on going back to episode 320 i the, the whole thesis of it is keep going you know you have unlimited freedom in your heart like reflect that in your life outwardly and uh, you'll never feel resentful and uh, you'll never feel like you have to keep scraping everything aside and starting again is you don't have to feel like you have to get everything perfect you don't have to restrict yourself just keep going and and uh, as i said i think build on the wonderful messes that we each are you know in an authentic way so that's why this channel um 2015 and i i get that i think i i think about youtubers and how they have connected with their channel and connected with their audience and if some of you listening which there's a chance that maybe there isn't some of the old old school people listening 
who joined me in the early days uh, with the, you know, the blood, the Bloodborne and and Dark Souls three discussions, like chiming in, so so supportive in the comments, uh, and then I think just with some of the KGF stuff that happened and the Algo Prison, as I put it on Instagram, you know, uh, maybe there was a sense that uh, things had changed, but believe me, it's gone through some changes but the core of the show has always just been myself and that's why ultimately I just called it Albuquerque. Uh used to be called um oh, I had I had used my URL al youtube.com forward slash Albuquerque for something and then I wanted to use that for something else. So and then you can't claim URLs again, so that's why Albuquerque official. Easy. I just like make life as easy as possible, folks. It's the it's I, I highly recommend it, so um, if we're looking at this many skeletons, by the way, there's a there's an element to it. I think I see a little bit of red there in terms of like blood and stuff. I wonder if this is like a sacrifice pit or like a sacrifice temple, which would make me think that this person either wants to. Again, it's it's a bit ambiguous. It's like the golden order could be broken and then against Marika, or the golden order could be broken and then corrupted by Marika. And this is where they make sacrifices. But again, the main thing is the main intriguing thing is this: the idea of the the gargoyles showing up. Um, they again, just to reframe it, this definitely could be uh, just an animation. This could be an attack, and these these two little little guys could just be enemies. And again, if we look at the likelihood, it's very likely they are enemies, and this is just a an attack of some kind where you're just sort of summoning. But I would love for it to mean something more. You know the. The mystery invites inquiry, inquiry, and it invites as uh, it's it is like that beautiful gift that Miyazaki gives us, which is like I enjoyed this as a child. In Japan, is not really understanding things fully because I was reading all this English material, and me diving in, you know, like that. Uh, even without. Like with incomplete answers, like I've I've made so much up in my mind, and I enjoyed that process so much. And in my chance that I got with Demon Souls two thousand nine, to to recreate that, and he even said like I also wanted to recreate the collaboration thing from, if you don't know the the snowstorm, um, uh, story, which is that Miyazaki was in a snowstorm. Um, I hope I have this right. It's like a legendary thing now, I guess. Uh, and uh, the cars were um, locked in an uphill, you know, a snowstorm. And, and everyone uh, sort of tacitly got out of their cars and started helping each other push, you know, um, the the cars over the hill. And no one exchanged numbers. No, one, they just got out, and did it, and then they moved on. And he said that inspired me to, for the the phantom system is like. You don't know this person, you'll never see them again, but it's just a little human moment of like them helping you and then moving on. So he combined that in the online component. Um, but uh, I think that for me, the heart of, of Miyazaki, for myself, for myself personally, is the stories and that uh, invitation of inquiry based on the mystery, you know, the absence of information that invites the invites your mind to fill it, which is the 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 identity of Miyazaki titles, you know. Makes me grateful, it really does. You have to be grateful for the constants. And uh, I think, again, not to get too psychoanalytical, but a huge part of why I think people are uh, gravitating towards Elden Ring is that it represents this familiarity. Like, and I riffed about this with Terra. Um, 
the the Miyazaki cycle, as we called it a few episodes ago. The you know from software going quiet for a few years, and um, and then the trickles, the rumors. Um, I think even sometimes like very very faint leaks, you know, very faint, nothing too crazy like the Ubisoft like full title, full assets leaks and stuff. Um, very subtle, gentle links, and then the blowout, which was for us Summer Games Fest. Yeah, just in a bit of a reverie, folks. But anyway, uh, and yeah, man. Like, if you're listening to this being like, wow, he's really just taking his time with this and going into his own angles with it, and, and even taking these meta self-aware asides, I, it, it's bliss for me. I, I guess every everyone... There was a clip I saw recently of a young girl it may have been stage i don't think so though uh it was a a boy i think a little girl in a high chair and the father was bringing all of these things to them like you know chocolate biscuits and chocolate this candy and all these things and she kept pushing them away and then um he put this little bowl of broccoli in front of her and she started oh, she was like oh my god broccoli and so then i think the caption was like you know, glitch in the matrix, like wide weird at birth. I don't know if it's just me, but if I were to hear suddenly, like some of the show, like the podcast folks that I follow, just take the sides whenever they wanted and just get out of that rat race. Which sure, the rat race means like success and means trending and means all of that. But man, I just, this is how you hear about people being like, yeah, that wasn't for me. And I, yeah, I stepped away because nothing beats having your own time doing things in your own time and then for me that whole the whole thing has just been for that to be my brand if you were for my brandlessness to be my brand is is the idea and for my schedule lessness to be my schedule right so i think you you get what i'm going for with this and what i simply am who i simply am so and a little thing about vocal registers, folks, is uh, if you hear anyone speaking in a vocal register other than this one, uh, there's a faint chance that they're being like a bit contrived or they're hiding something. Like, yeah, I'm talking up there, and like, uh, and at a certain cadence, it's just, man, I, yeah, this channel is an oasis of self self authenticity above all, and uh, just. Um, look at any of the i've deleted them so you can't look at them but comments of people being like why did you delete your like three million view or two million view kgf reactions like well it didn't feel right it's, it's not who i am so there you go and uh we make that choice and would not go back i just seriously this is like it's i'm already gonna have an incredible fucking day just from doing this i'm so glad i did um who knows when i'm going in this area later in Elden Ring like just this particular little pavilion I'll just think of it as like you know that one cozy night back in September 2021 pavilion or like unfiltered pavilion of um, getting real you know long story short I love gargoyles they're adorable and uh, do not be surprised if these little fellows um, pop up on some uh, From Software tattoo sleeves next to Potboy and the Crystal Lizard little babies from uh, uh, Dark Souls 3. I love it. There's a beautiful little growing roster of like, I guess you could call them 
the soul's plushies. You know, I love them. I love them so much. But in law, I think these folks will have a... I would love, for example, if if you can summon messengers. You know, if these are like messenger types. And I love how their wings kind of look like mistletoe. It's like, well, the one over here at least. You know, that's kind of nice. That's cute. But yeah, they're just like little decorative wings and look at them and obviously they i'm sure a couple of people are calling them um sorry folks gargoyle night souls three um aegon little little mini aegons aegon chibis you know adorable oh cool got some orders from mastodon and marsville to come in through fun 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 anyway on to the next. Oh, it did pop up. Ooh, oh, that's, that's because there are two in the one. Come on, Twitter. Let us cycle through, you know? It's it's 2021. Let us cycle through your images. Like, ta-ta-ta-ta. Come on. I'm kidding. Live your truth. Faith, knowledge. There are many forces that shape the world. Choose your masters with care. Yep, same description, but... Choose your masters with care. Um, that immediately invites the notion that we're looking at faith here and knowledge here, right? There's an, uh, an allusion to that. And these symbols, we can see them possibly as against each other, opposites of each other. Uh, the golden order and the Erd tree, right? Even though the golden order has an, a component to it of the Erd tree of resembling it, it very much, it strikes that familiarity of like, we're not so different ultimately, but we just have this, it's very much just like um, um, that schism between like, uh, you know, Willem and Lawrence or like, uh, is it Israel and Palestine? Is that what that is? Israel, Palestine conflict, that's right. Yeah, which has been raging since the 1980s, but obviously earlier because of the ancestral stuff. Uh, Ray and I recently watched an amazing episode of um, The Last Airbender. We've been going through it, and there's that wonderful episode. It's not too crazy of a spoiler. It's pretty isolated, but I guess three, two, one. Skip forward if you don't want to be spoiled. Um, there's a story about two um, belief systems that didn't realize that they were intertwined in some way or um, you know at the very end he, he says oh i lied but i think that there was some truth to it and uh, that over time the divisions come up but you know you'll see this in like certain flags it's like well why like you're just one country and like you're just riffing off of the same motif and they have like a slightly different ode tree and a slightly different you know set of celtic symbols here but uh but this is also being set up um, in uh, in Elden Ring of the master that you shall choose, you know. Just checking your recording, make sure it's all going well. Um, and the master you shall choose, indeed. Knowledge or faith, you know, science or belief, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an age-old... Um, juxtaposition now this area reminds me of the swamp you know orbex swamp which believe me as i'm going through in dark souls 3 in 2016 i come across orbex after i think i even saw him in a preview possibly um 
but uh, I come across this guy and he's got this like I have a particular fondness for cozy spots I actually started another uh, and when I say I started another podcast it's simply another uh, suppose like repost feed or sub feed but uh, it's just my approach I just love it I've turned Instagram into Pinterest and I am so fucking all about it so if you follow me there then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about we're just coming up to 455 sub outlets and uh you know flash forward to episode 2000 or something you know where i'm on my 10th episode of like the coziness podcast just because of how you know slow trickled out those conversations and coziness ended up being but maybe there'll be more because i really love coziness but for me orbeck like you you're walking through and um and you see this little office. It's like a little with like parchments and like it's like candlelit, but it's just like in a little nook with like cobblestones. I swear, like Miyazaki just said, "Look, cracked his fingers and just said, look, I have this opportunity to like depict some of my favorite visuals.'" And I, I know, I know the trip went to the the team went to Edinburgh, I think, to for, for Bloodborne, but they're so secretive and I love that about them ultimately obviously part of me would love to see a documentary of Miyazaki like a vlog almost like a Kitao vlog of you know turning the camera back towards the whole from from software team and the plane you know pre-covid times like going on a little trip to like a secluded medieval Italian village which by the way I grew up in let's uh reveal it in full Montefiore del Azo this is where I grew up. Uh, there's a lot of shots from the outside, but nothing in, like, in the street. And it's, like, very far away. You can't see it. But, yeah, so... Um, see these cobblestones here? So, obviously, uh, over time, this thing gets updated. Jeez, like, in the intervening years, like, it went through all the years since the, the medieval times. But medieval, this was a century, um, century village. So, I lived in a range it's Le Marche right if you go Le Marche Italy right and so you'll see uh, lots of rolling hills so here you can just imagine like a vast span of of rolling hills and then on various different hills there'd be little sentry villages and sentry like fortresses almost um, and back in the middle ages uh, it was uh, it was like yeah like we're talking medieval Italy, and so obviously there'd have been like conflicts and fiefdoms and all that. And um, now you're gonna get me all teared up. There you go. Discovering old-fashioned pleasures in Lamarck. I'm gonna like open a new tab on that one. Read it later. Wonderful, lovely. Oh, we'll jump to that one soon when we're finished with these screenshots. But yeah, um, so for me, believe me, this this like. As the kids say, it hits different for me. It, uh, it, it, you know, playing a playing a from software title and seeing the cobblestones and seeing like that atmosphere. It like it really speaks to this inner child, you know, for me. And there's a comfort to it, you know. And so when I came across Orbeck, like in this fucking, you know, scary swamp. Sorry for swearing. Scary swamp with giant crabs and stuff. And then you cut. You look into these ruins, and obviously he's like a, he's a he's a manser like he's a he's a, a magical individual you know he's capable of defending himself but just that he chose to make his you know scroll bedecked office in the middle of this swamp and he's like totally at peace with it i just love 
the idea of a cozy, safe place in the middle of tumult and danger. And I've had this since um, I was a kid. And yes, we are taking this detour. So as one of my uh, YouTube kindred people, uh, John Tron said, he's like, John has interests and he's going to talk about them. He did an architecture list. So he's a... Um, the patron saint of creative integrity on YouTube, I think. Releases whenever he wants, and he talks about whatever he wants. Shout the fuck out to Jontron. Alright, I did the natural YouTuber thing of like waiting to swear, I guess. Oh, okay, cool. You know? But, yeah. Love and love, for sure. Because there's love, but then you need even more to get through it all. That's what life's all about. Anyhow yeah so moss overgrown like we had it in, in italy um uh back when like we hadn't done many renovations like we had a big uh like it was a drop it was like a, a sheer drop uh, very dangerous if i think about it there was like a thin like fence like to stop us kids from like literally falling into it but we had like an, a poison ivy pit in our house like just if you went outside there was like this completely undeveloped i think it may have been because uh there was like two separate ramparts or something that were then like plastered together and then like a, a floor laid over and then it became a balcony and that's why but then they hadn't finished the rest and now it's, it's all paved over now and it's all safe hopefully um that's my ancestral dwelling by the way and uh due to things happening in the background we lost it so maybe that's might inform my like my like in my heart attachment to uh, sort of these medieval cobblestone settings and tiringrazio laura amica vecchia mia so old friend of mine laura we spoke on an episode not long ago i did it all in italian and um uh, she would also be able to relate you know to some of these so nice just taking my time with these screenshots but you know so obviously i love that coziness and yeah so going all the way back to a kid uh i i um like even when i was like having nightmares about being chased by raptors i would imagine like finding a really safe vent and that vent being like super secure and like full of snacks and i could like safely make my way through this like raptor infested shopping mall uh and like dip in get some snacks and like never be in any full danger but in the midst of it and maybe that's also uh, you know in that psychoanalytical space i guess that's why I, I i love the idea of finding a place as an oasis and this channel is my shelter you know from the tumult so yeah absolutely and and that freedom folks all i can say be free be well and be free for sure so coming across all back i i was like oh let's just let's just stop right now i don't want to like let's let's just hang out in your amazingly safe cozy little nook that you know whenever i've thought about like zombie invasion places i'm like oh yeah i would find like i have a particular fondness for the notion of like a ceiling shelter where you're like that's where i would like make mine like you know the zombie plan or whatever it's like i would just have this little area sort of completely unassuming but like like a you know like a spider almost like i'd find some way of building this thing where i would just be so like nooked up and protected up high you know and um and 
yeah that and and then obviously have have three guesses of what my favorite part of resident evil titles are it's the safe rooms it's it's incredible and they have beautiful cozy safe room music so i would love for maybe after this battle with this uh very strange seemingly one armed i don't see another arm uh horse lord of some kind with the if we're looking closely i believe that is a it could end up just being you know that's fine um a normal uh sickle claw which sort of recedes with uh, certain creatures but that because of this part here it makes me look like that he has like hands for feet which would not surprise me at all this here i believe is a is a pretty pretty close uh, reference here to the um symbol in uh shadow of the colossus so if you just go sotc symbol that should be enough there you go so as we know um miyazaki was inspired by fumito ueda they did a talk together not long ago and um in brazil together and that right there i'll just do the flick boom boom just the the dots and the certain curves coming out yep this is a little subtle allusion to what this is actually ended up being ending up being which is is elden ring is um Miyazaki going from Ico to Shadow of the Colossus, you know, and then adding in a lot of which I mean, we live in a post Breath of the Wild world, and so then he's bringing in a lot of Breath of the Wild ingredients too. So if you wanted that equivalency, uh, because of that kinship the two share, I believe that Fumito actually inspired uh, Hayao to, yeah, to to do games. I think possibly. So if you go Ico. Or to do games like how he makes them. So Ueda and Miyazaki. Right there. So yeah. Beautiful. At, uh, that's the last guardian there. But then if I go. Yeah. Reboot. There we go. Does anyone know where I can find the video of the interview of Hidetaka Miyazaki and Fumito Ueda? Just going to save that one to downloads. Beautiful. Ah, so many things. Good vibes. Let's see if they ended up finding anything. Come on a little detour with me, folks. It's a little bit more light. Here's the interview in text. I don't think there was any video taken of the event, which, um, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's so strange that there was, um, uh, here's an interview with the little designer from at from software. Great. Oh, all these lovely resources. Again, all of these are turning into tabs and then for future, you know, video missives you know we're talking here obviously the double wielding which is has been a thing i wonder if there's going to be more customization with that that's going to be interesting um i do stand fast to my pledge that uh, i will elden ring will be the first from software title that i fully complete um we talked about this on earlier shows about how every entryway as long as it's not hurting or upsetting anyone or offending anyone into from software titles is valid and lovely and beautiful so if you play them a little bit just a little and then dive into the lore or if you're just lore or if you're just gameplay or just speed running love it you know like that's fine you know that's beautiful um yorm i'm, I'm seeing ho horse yorm you know you could probably say um and then these uh, very monkey-like, you know, I actually played a flying monkey in primary school, you know, um, 
they definitely give me those vibes of the, the flying monkeys from um, Wizard of Oz. Which, you know, while we have Google brought up, let's go. Flying monkey wizard of Oz. There you go. Just a little bit spooky looking, but, you know, a little bit simian. Very simian looking here with that sort of heavy brow. Um, and we're seeing a couple of different, you know, there's always more than a couple of different factions, but uh, Elden Ring, as, as we've heard Kitao talk about, um, thank you, Eurogamer, for that wonderful Aoife, an excellent breakdown, and it, uh, you know, that was a rough week that, that week. It had just been rough weeks back to back, really, with COVID and mum. Which, uh, if folks don't know, my mum is going through chemo at the moment. She has had three out of 18 sessions. And uh, so please send her your thoughts. Her name is Naima. So just send a good thought into the universe for her. So as, uh, you know, as I was, um, yeah, like, I think I was relaxing on that day of, what is it, the Harry Potter thing, September 1st, for the Harry Potter Wizarding World you know, back to Hogwarts thing. I just had that in the background because we do the Wizarding World podcast too. And um, that was so nice to, to, to see this. And I, I made a post about it. I'll, I'll bring it up. Why not? Um, wow. 323 episodes in and I finally found like a V format for my show. You know, they said it would take 100. Took 320 three for me but you know love and light it is what it is here we go joy i'll just say the word joy because it just i'm just very happy even though things are happening as they are i'm just happy so sitting down cross-legged on the carpet right up close to the screen reminds you of anything that's right simpler times thank you Eva wilson uh, for your exclusive Eurogamer preview, Elden Ring is already having this DJing childhood wonder awakening effect on me. And in January 2022, when the Elden Fellowship, Terra, Katie, Kyle, um, Zozu, Leyland, uh, Angfar, and Michelle, Raccoon Buffoon, and Zasta all enter the lands between together i'll remember how even before it had released my self-replenishing excitement for this title got me through some of the unprecedented unexpected and heavy life stuff happening in the background right now which i am devoting all of my bandwidth to just by being something extremely or incredibly exciting ambitious and in a rare move for the instant gratification era taking its time to reveal itself from soft never change i love that you didn't release the demo if you could please send good energy a family member of mine is receiving chemotherapy treatment and we want them to fully recover good vibes to you all fellow tarnished so and thank you kyle for for that like that's very kind of you yeah i've become an instagram boffin up upturning the the idea of the common use of it or the stereotypical use of it as like a a vlogging blogging thing of selfies and stuff it's just i've just turned it into pinterest now and the format is wonderful um every time i jump in on a different outlet uh which some of them have you know uh folks i speak with on there like with you know the last of us there's um catherine and Anne marie so they're each individual separate entities there's no 
you know, doubling up or, or anything. I've, I've gone through, you know, one by one and open a search, like done the thing properly. There's no like artificial bot style stuff. It's just me really enjoying that component of Instagram, which I prefer over Pinterest, which I don't really agree with Pinterest's strange monopoly over images. Um, or that, you know, like people have expressed that it's, I think the idea that Pinterest, you know, yeah, it's it's good for some components. Like, believe me, I, I saw the making of um, Hellblade, where they talked about how Pinterest really helped with like creating boards and like, no, like I'm not discounting that, but just, I think they're just a teensy bit intrusive with how like you can't actually save a full resolution image. You have to go in and log in, and, you know. Everyone, you know, I think most people tuning into this might know that. So, um, so for these little guys, all I'll say is, look, they, they, I, I love the minds of Moria, for example. I love the like the goblins of Moria. I have a specific, I have a special place in my heart for like little chittery kind of goblin type creatures because, um, believe it or not, um, uh, it was one of the f most memorable silhouettes from the from the Lord of the Rings was. Um, this guy here, Moria Goblin, 1999. There you go. So it's it was it was a shot like this. So, but I'm gonna try and find it. So, Fellowship of the Ring, 2001. Scans. So hopefully that'll show up something where I can actually. Yeah, it was uh, the old um, the old posters, you know. And uh, I, I have my calendar somewhere in the room or somewhere. We're still moving stuff from the old place, but um, yeah, it was a lovely image and it was a, a very distinctive. And you could see that iconic uh, Moria Goblin, you know, helmet, you know. And the thing is, um, obviously, there is no. Um, there's no way that uh, uh, Miyazaki's crew, their team, there you go, this one here, wasn't influenced in some way by the Lord of the Rings. You know, the Lord of the Rings really, like, made its mark. I am looking forward to the Amazon series, and when we do an episode for that one, I'll have the material here to discuss and stuff. That'll be nice there. But, uh, I, I mean, it's just one of my favorite sets of armor ever it's just beautiful so chittery goblin-y type creatures i love them i'm getting a bit ocd now i just want to find that there he is it's 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 this scene it is specifically from this running scene and uh related images come on google yeah here you go okay that that satisfies my ocd it was a poster where this was the very first time you saw an orc of moria and right there like that just that Ah, oh, it was so. It didn't look like you didn't immediately. You looked at that back in 2000 or whatever in a video easy calendar, and you didn't think. And see, there, I, see, that's what I mean. Like someone. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Now we're finding it. Related images. Boom. See, another thing I like, quote unquote, the algorithm for is, um, well, I guess it is an algorithm, is that they, um, is that you're able to find these related images at various different resolutions so that's right this scene is not in any LOTR movie which is strange because it's such an amazing character design um 
And yeah, when I saw it, I just immediately thought, that's an orc. That's not a human being. I didn't think about makeup or anything, you know? It was oh, incredible. And so I, I just want to say, I get the reason I bring that up is I get the same kind of interesting feeling from these guys. It's like, this is, you know, they have sort of like um, this almost like a Lawrence of Arabia type thing where it's a wrap, but then this, you know, cord wrapped around its head. It's amazing. This giant club is, is, is hilarious. Um, yeah, they don't, it's so funny for this horse-like uh, creature to have these like simian type acolytes. It's very, very fascinating. So, so for the character who we've just been like aggressively ignoring, I guess, uh, here is um, this sort of, uh, detailing here on the cape is uh, if we maybe bring up something later I'll scrub back uh, or if you'll remember the um, the Valkyrie has this uh, amazing cape right uh, that has similar detailing so but I would have associated her with protecting the earth tree and this guy's going against that but again remember with Elden Ring is there's the idea of shifting loyalties like who are you loyal to you know and you may just be wearing a certain um, faction's gear and then you could still be fighting like people of that faction and so then it you know what I mean like so looking to plot looking for plots to that probably not the best but uh, but for the rest a very strong so much everything is just taking everything to the next level and again you need to be grateful folks for people who decide to set themselves a standard of self-exceeding in an age where um, to some degree like complacency is rewarded and uh, reposting is rewarded like like substancelessness is rewarded so I just read a press release um, for the Macedon um, podcast uh, If sorry if you know about that like I just read it it, it, it talked about how releasing a double album which they're doing in, in an era of shortening decreasing attention spans there's almost an element of foolhardiness to it, but for no, not for me. For me, it's about holding fast to that and believing that there is a, you know, despite what certain trends make it seem, um, there's a yearning for people who go all out. And this is this is, believe me, this is a double album of a of a title for sure. Interactive art. Um, I'm giving a talk uh, on the 2nd of October for Melbourne International Games Week called Patterns, Podcasts and Parables and I'll be talking about how I tend to move away from the term game not as a pretentious thing it's just they're more than games and so it just feels very black mirror to call if, if say if we were calling movies sit downs so you're not just sitting down you're watching something you know there's a there's a whole other component missing from the name which is you're not just playing a game you're experiencing a story you're you're deepening your empathy you're engaging all of your senses you know like so we may have locked into this and may it might be futile but um I call it interactivism. It's, I know, lame. But it's my term for wanting this medium and this art form to hold higher standards for itself. And it is also the reason why I am simultaneously, like, boundlessly passionate about it. 
and also in a good portion like just kind of repulsed by the incessant sort of childlike regressive man-childy kind of component which is it is receding slightly we are seeing titles being taken you know more seriously but i i want to I don't want to settle. You know, I want it, I want the very absolute best for it because at its best, the fulfillment of this medium's truth, its mantle, its destiny, so to speak, for me is, is the evolution of art and the evolution of the human condition, definitely, and the human species. It's uh, not just me saying this. This is Kojima added certain articulations to that. I had thought about it for many years. Beforehand, I just had this notion that like something special about it. I just can't quite put my finger on it, but look at this medium that is like literally spiked in uh, investment, you know, and success financially. But beneath all of that, in it has the human condition's attention in a way which paintings used to have, you know, uh, that would be the main form. And then sculpture and theater. But I believe it is going to redefine art. That's that it's already doing that in many ways. Evolve and redefine art and humanity. Yeah, that's the talk. So I'll just give you a little brief preview of it. That's what I'll be talking about. It'll be Zoom based, I believe. It'll be YouTube based. And um, so I hope you enjoy. Please tune in. It'll be Melbourne International Games Week. Uh, ACME, which is the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. And it'll be hosted by them. Acme and Migwa, as I'm just calling them. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I'll certainly be, you know, talking about some of these shows where I just, you know, vibe it out and hang out with myself. And time-space continuum happens, and then I will eventually be hanging out with you, whatever you happen to be doing. So love and light... I'm I'm moving away from my, you know, it's it, it, onwards forth is my valediction. It's just it's literally what I put at the end of letters. Um, love and light, good vibes. Like I just, just, please stay authentic at all times, people. Like, be wary of catchphrases. So, but needless to say, I send you all good energy, definitely. All right, so this one here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Sixth title, I believe, in the, the Miyazaki verse, Elden Ring. Demons. Dark one. Dark two, dark three, blood. Elden, sorry, Sekiro, Elden. It's the seventh, actually, excuse me. So maybe we are the seventh in that one. So, let us press on. Uh, there we go. With the descriptions, please. Or not. Uh, okay. Sorry, folks. Great. Thank you. Traveling to the dark corners of the lands between is often necessary, but not always voluntary. Now, I'm OCD because... Uh, faith knowledge, there are many forces. Okay, actually, I think I did discuss that pretty extensively of the um of the differences between the yellow and the blue and 
you know, one being faith, the other being knowledge. And, you know, again, the last thing I'll say is like faith, that warmer color, that thing of like Hansa heart sort of thing, and then blue outward cosmos knowledge, beautifully um, consistent with, with color symbolism there. And that's not me retroactively explaining if it was the other other way around I'd be like interesting that they inverted it because that's usually the association you know so here we go so traveling to the dark corners of the lands between is often necessary and not always voluntary to the dark corners of the lands between wow my word I'm just thinking not only will maybe the dark corners to the dark corners perhaps potentially be a future episode title but as I dive into this one here folks think about this this is a temple there's a door and this is a an enormous humanoid sitting atop so one thing I'd like to say that uh, I think um, Hidetaka and Kojima have in common is that they they design off of imagery i think they have just like spielberg spielberg would come up with an image and say i just let's create a situation a narrative some characters everything that organically makes this come about and i think at one point he must have maybe a, a guillermo del toro sketchbook or if he doesn't maybe that's something that just he has a maybe a mental workspace where he just had an image of an enormous so as he's going through this is Miyazaki's hypothetical sketchbook for me and he'll just say okay an enemy that is just a pair just a hand you know crawling around and we'll see that later in the trailer or I think we may have seen it already later in the trailer um uh you know he I'm sure that Vort came about that way in the dance like the spindly uh like again it's that medieval surrealism as I called it um for me, it's military surrealism, Kojima, medieval surrealism, um, Miyazaki, and um, mythical or mythological surrealism, uh, Ueda, who takes mythological concepts and puts this surreal twist on them, like Toriko, you know, from The Last Guardian. And I can absolutely see, look, this is, uh, I would say, maybe a, yeah, like a three-story townhouse-sized building, like, or four-story, actually, probably. Um, and and he just envisioned this thing of like of, of as a throne, but then you just sort of sit on it, and there's like a shrine inside. It's just fascinating this idea. And again, it is an image I have never seen. I've never seen an image like this in any painting. You know, I I check the Instagram, and I'm looking at these uh, old um, what's the artist's name? Not Dikidiko. Uh, oh, um, oh no, I, sh I should not forget this. Uh, I I'll have to go to Instagram.com. Ueda Podcast. Giacometti? No, 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 sorry. It's, it's a similar sounding name. And in it, I sort of thank that person for... There we go, here we go. So, G Gerard... Uh, alongside Piranesi inspired you in his architectural style. Boom, there you go. So Piranesi. So, I, you know, and, and as you're going through, you'll see these um, medieval surrealistic uh, paintings or like hyper-real paintings. Um, 
a shrine throne, I guess you could call it. You know? And these beings, these, uh, and, and certainly look like a, maybe a, potentially like a holy being, a holy being of some kind, um, who chose to, chose that spot as their death, death, death spot, you know? And then these, um, again, a little bit messenger slash pygmy looking creatures. That's just me. I don't know if, I, again, that might just be guessing, but there's an evocation of the imagery from Bloodborne with the, the you know, the one reborn, like the, the grasping bodies and these also the messengers. And then also from Dark Souls 3, you know? But it's a, a riff on that and yet completely different. The elongated skulls is something that certain cultures would do to, I believe, elevate their their consciousness, I think. Opening all the tabs, folks. Elongating skulls tradition. The process of flattening the head was started during the first month of a baby's life with a tool called a hadal. Okay, head shaping. Here we go. Artificial cranial deformation. Uh, all modification, head flattening, or head binding is a form of body alteration in which the skull of a human being is deformed intentionally. It is done by distorting the normal growth of a child's skull by applying force. Flat shapes, elongated ones, rounded ones, and conical ones are among those chosen uh, or valued in various cultures. Typically, the shape alteration is carried out on an infant as the skull is most pliable at this time. So I find this like completely reprehensible. But let's have a look. Um, continues for six months absolutely reprehensible and as you can see a lot of these you know skulls are young which means that the child died you know like they're small at least that's what it seems intentional cranial deformation predates written history it was practiced commonly in a number of cultures that are widely separated geographically and chronologically and still occurs today in a few areas including Vanuatu oh wow it still occurs the earliest suggested examples were once thought to include Neanderthals and the proto-neolithic homo sapiens component from Shanidar cave in Iraq the view that the Neanderthal skull was artificially deformed, thus representing the oldest example of such practices by tens of thousands of years. But it has since has since been argued incorrect by Czech Grove Thorn and Trinkaus, based on Ukrainian reconstructions in 1999, where the team concluded we are no longer we no longer consider that artificial cranial deformation can be inferred for the specimen. Um, corporate identity, let's have I just want to find the meaning, you know. Um, sometimes women only, interestingly. I wonder if there may have been a... Okay, right here is what we're looking at. Okay. Lithograph of a fetus in the intrauterine position within the typical Huanca skull shape, which was found in a mummy in a pregnant woman. So, fascinating. That's going to be one for sharing to the community. Right here. Deliberate deformity of the skull. Motivations and theories. One modern theory is cranial deformation was likely performed to signify group affiliation or to demonstrate social status. Such motivations may have played a key role in Maya society aimed at creating a skull shape that is aesthetically more pleasing or associated with desirable cultural attributes. For example, the Na'ahai speaking area of Toman Island and the south-southwestern Malakulan, Australasia. A person with an elongated head is thought to be more intelligent, of higher status, and closer to the world of the spirits. Right there, folks. So, 
that this person was seen as a spiritual leader. They elongated their skulls to elevate themselves. Clearly, this person also has an elongated skull. Um, seemingly, it might be an angle thing, but it seems that they do. I can imagine us discovering this area through here, just as a little environmental prediction there. It has been considered possible, uh, historically there are a number of various theories regarding the motivations uh, of these practices. And by the way, uh, what I we did this for, I did this for the Kojima podcast, um, is you do these lateral dives uh, for, you know, this is what I do on my channel. And there's a chance, there's a bit of an exciting chance actually that you're following, that you're retracing, as this is what I call it, it's called retracing the creative process. So um, you deduce from the imagery uh, certain elements and you dive into where genuinely, like if I would have reversed back time two years ago, Miyazaki sitting in front of the Japanese version of this exact article and then being inspired to have these elongated skull shapes, you know, in... Um, in his in his title, right? So there's a th there's a little bit of an exciting kind of engaging, and I guess time passing is one component, but the core of it for me is it's this additive and educational process, you know. Of, oh, there's a nice kind of you know intriguing possibility that we are actually legitimately on that same uh, you know retracing those creative steps and going on our. But then also the notion of us going on completely other tangents is fascinating to me too. So. Yeah, as I'm sure, I don't know, like, I've just been having a lot of fun. So if you've been joining me and enjoying this, then another hug to you from Australia. Originates from an attempt to emulate those groups of the population in which elongated head shape was a natural condition. Ah, so a bit of the thing of the related to like aliens, I guess, you know, that's some theories. Like aliens came down and became the leaders of these cultures, you know. The skulls of some of the ancient Egyptians are among those identified as often being elongated naturally as macrocephaly. Sorry, cephaly. Macrocephaly may be a familial characteristic. Characteristic. For example, Rivero and Chudi describe a mummy containing a fetus with an elongated skull, describing it thus. The same formation of the head presents itself in children yet unborn. And of this truth we have had convincing proof in the sight of a fetus enclosed in the womb of a mummy of a pregnant woman, which we found in a cave of Huiche, two leagues from Tarma, and, and which is at this moment in our collection. Gosh, I love how people wrote back in the day. Professor Dupont, of great celebrity in the, de in the Department of Obster Obstetrics, has assured us that the fetus is one of seven months' age. It belongs, according to a very clearly defined formation of the cranium, to the tribe of the Hoankas. We present the reader with a drawing of this conclusive and interesting proof in opposition to the advocates of mechanical action as the sole and exclusive cause of the phrenological form of the Peruvian race. Right. So this person saying that this image here, and check that out right there, boom. It must, it must not be good for the brain. Just saying. Oh, dear Lord. Right there. That's what they're talking about. And I'll just flicker between the two. Here we go. So we've got these these puppies here. Boom. Absolutely, without a doubt, an allusion to that practice. Artificial head shaping. And also genetic. Um... Cephalol elongation or cranial elongation. 
Bellamy makes a similar observation about two elongated skulls of infants, which were discovered and brought to England by a Captain Blanky, and handed over to the Museum of the Devon and Cornwall Natural History Society in 1838. According to Bellamy, these skulls belonged to two infants, to two infants, male and female, and one of which was not more than a few months old, and the other could not be much more than one year. It will be manifest for the, from the general contour of these skulls that they are allied to those in the Museum of the College of Surgeons in London, and denominated titicacans. Those, uh, the researcher, I guess. Those, uh, or or actually, maybe that's a like a, a noun for the like Hoankan titicacans. Uh, those adult skulls are very generally considered to be distorted by the effects of pressure, like, yeah, like group names, you know. But in uh, opposition to this opinion, Dr. Graves has stated that a careful examination of them has convinced him that their peculiar shape cannot be owing to artificial pressure. Wow. So basically multiple specimens. Are they saying that this isn't like a freak thing? In further absence of marks of pressure, there being no elevation of the vertex nor projection of the other side. Incredible. So, right there, folks. Very good chance that these um, beings that are now withered and certainly not alive, like they're definitely being turned, made, turned to stone, uh, also do not seem to have legs and seem to be sprouting um, from these... Uh, sprouting from the ground... Uh, but uh, there's a chance that those could be also just like calcified robes or like petrified robes you know other than that imagine entering this place and then just hearing that waterfall and just seeing you know a lot of my enjoyment of the Miyazaki titles is the atmosphere just walking into an area and just listening and watching so the combat comes last for me for sure here we are, um, what Sean called the Iron Matrons. I'll just call them, uh, wow, roamers. Like they, they seem like they have something that would roam around. But they're, um, again, another th instance where I think there was a Miyazaki sketchbook where he just had this idea of this lurching, towering, metal um, being with these very dangerous looking flails and it's clear because of that axis you know that they are going to be able to spin on this axis here and basically turn themselves into these death whirlers you know uh, protecting a child so in terms of symbolism right um, child of America so this might be these sort of avatars of America these uh, ambulant uh you know, yeah, ambulant um, statuary, I guess. Uh, and again, if you think strategically, so again, the, the image starts, and he has this image of this very strange thing, and then he says, okay, what do I turn this into? Will it be a statue? Will it be an enemy? And then he'll slot it into the enemy just to kind of challenge himself. He's like, well, how do I explain this in the lore? And then I say, well, uh, these magically, um, this is me sort of hypothetically, you know, uh, yeah, sort of speculocrafting the description of these creatures, these entities is, uh, you know, animated by Marika's magic, these uh, um, ambulant, you know, metal maidens um, traverse the lands between, uh, seeking the foes 
You know, they've just been given one order, just like, you know, McGonagall's, like, protect our school, protect the school, protect the students, or whatever. Um, this one is, you know, find my enemies wherever they are and uh, end them, you know, or, or these might be actually patrolling Marika's own castle, because I dare say we'll probably meet Marika, but um, we'll see. Now, this seems to be a body held upside down. Um, I don't know if this is like one of the giants, you know, it looks fairly stocky, but uh, can't infer any sort of loyalties or like faction loyalties there. We shall see. Uh, next time when I'm recording, I'm going to do like a little, little, little counter here just for the time so that we can all keep track of how long we've been speaking with one another. So fascinating. So the dark corners of the lines between often necessary and not always voluntary. So but alluding to the fact that, but again, all the descriptions deliberate. I'm certain just from the tone of them, they're not just something said by the marketing team or if they are, that's fine. But let's go with the, the more possibility filled possibility, which is that they are deliberately written. And so dark corners. And again, we have that dualism necessary, voluntary, right? Imagine that it is necessary to go into this shrine and like the shrine throne of v Valdir or something like some deity definitely gives me this 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 vibe, you know. And I think obviously Valdir came to me because of Walnir, but uh, I also love that semi tradition in Miyazaki's titles of like uh, Lothric, Loran, uh, you know. Ailing, like that slight similarity between certain names between titles, you know, makes me happy. You know, gives you the idea that it's all all one creative space, and then them sharing certain close etymologies makes me happy. So, Valdir is my name for this being. Um, yeah, the birds are interesting. I wonder if uh, these are they might have some connotation of like Marika with the raven maybe um amazing and then this 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 tent work here maybe they are roving they don't look i mean for example there's one thing where they could be like a last line of defense you know at Marika's castle but these things are out there and uh the illusion of holding the baby is is interesting i wonder if this is Marika protecting her children you know uh which is the holders of the the great ruins which we will meet like uh you know, Deathloop just came out, and there's the visionaries in that one, but uh, started all the way back with probably predating Kojima, but um, uh, the idea of, like, the bosses, you know, and, like, the, you know, the 16 Colossi, like, you know, it's, it's I suppose it's a video game type thing, but uh, you'll see it actually, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino with Kill Bill, you know, the old unit, the Cobra unit, uh, etc., you know, I love that. That idea. Um, I, I'm certain that there's actually higher resolution images, but I'm just going off of the Elden Ring side itself. So we'll just use that for now um, for this one. So, are you guys people who don't like to keep tabs open? Or are you okay? I think we should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just kind of have some thin margins, maybe. I'll figure something out. I think you'll all like it. Lovely. So. I'll just have the viewing viewing window. I think that'll be best. Just taking this one in. Crypts, obviously, uh, 
if we want to say the golden crypt perhaps or the the noble crypt the royal crypt the golden crypt or maybe we'll just say melina's melina's crypt or something perhaps what this tells me here is uh all, all these statues are identical they are all no differences between them but there are four of them and could this possibly allude to because usually in the hub area we have those um dedicated well not usually but um tombstones we had the um thrones we could uh you know uh you know kneel to or or you know restore restore the soul to you know bring the bring the lords of cinder to their molding thrones kind of thing you know absolutely so i remember back in 2015 ray and i went to a wedding in oxford and you know this was i think shortly after uh, the order 1886 came out and all it did was build on what i showed you earlier folks with my love for the medieval but also love um you know the, the sort of banister tree banistry here um very cozy and like this loft looks very cozy i wonder if this is actually an area where you can actually walk around here then you can jump down to the crypt um each of these swords uh kind of reminds me of the wizarding world symbol interestingly excuse me hmm this arrangement of different here it's wands but that sort of array of different swords and uh, i wonder if yeah maybe the swords of the bosses you've defeated but I, I don't think i think there's something more mystical about it um the fact that they're all sort of floating they don't they don't see it's like multiple excaliburs you know and again another twist on that classic arthurian and medieval imagery putting this like this japanese you know agent of berserkarian you know turning things on their head chaos you know no wonder he, he he resonates so much with berserk which is just taking the trope of the medieval knight and then just taking it into every single wild direction you know and um you know my lord creator of berserk like miura for example like he had his way of making medieval imagery his own and um miyazaki miyazaki certainly has his definitely no wonder these two i i wonder if in another world they would have it's incredible it's it's believe me the tangents i go on um uh <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, that I'll just take these pauses, you know, to explore this imagery. Um, yeah, no, we also have the the Berserk podcast, which there's going to be a at some point a certain amount of time that I'll block out over time, where I'll just go through the series, whether it's reading them or watching the episodes. Uh, Siri thinks I said series. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be really great. So, 
Miyazaki's version of Excalibur, possibly. But this thing of the glowing graces, the lost graces, uh, there's a feeling of... Um, now I have to... <laughs> Folks, remember... <sighs> medieval Montefiore? Medieval Chalice. When I was um, 10 years old, I played Medieval in San Benedetto del Tronto and also a little bit in Montefiore, which I showed you before. As you go along in Medieval, this is the remake here, but you would collect souls, basically, and they would fill up the vessel, and then when you went back to the Hall of Heroes, you would be able to inherit a new power. And so this very much feels like a hall of heroes. Like, that makes me really, really happy. I don't know if, I once said this about Yorm. I wonder if I can find it. So if you ever go Yorm, and you go Muppets, it's like, what? Are you, why are you typing that, Albert? It's like, well, I should hopefully be able to find, if I just go Tweety Gamer, I don't think I deleted it. I really hope I didn't. Basically, I said that Yorm the Giant reminded me of Muppet's um, Christmas Carol. So Yorm with this sort of void face, right? Absolute void. And again, as you go on, you come across love. That's one of the joys of this. Um, look at this. We're just We're just having some fun now. One of the joys of these uh, repositories is just as you go along, you just find this amazing art just in the middle of your um, explorations, you know? Beautiful. Could not get through this life without free association, folks. I just makes me just glad to be alive. It's like, and look at that. Ah, glorious. The Elden Ring Collector's Edition will be the utmost. I'll, I'll be I'll be picking up the the um, the most you know comprehensive version. Definitely. Oh, that's your seal right there. Beautiful. Yeah. See, this is I could you know, on the concept art podcast, which we're doing too we will definitely be diving through and doing something like this. Yeah, beautiful. And going through and looking at beautiful pieces of art. My goodness, lovely. So, but yes, um, if you, yeah, if, oh, I didn't actually show you the picture. So Muppets Christmas Carol, Ghost of Christmas future yeah i definitely put a reddit post out there i couldn't find it with a keyword search but there you go uh, as soon as i saw yorm might, might be time for for an update post um i saw this and it was just terrifying and i just had this image you know christmas future keyword yorm yeah wow Buried underneath internet. That's fine. I'll find that at some point. So that allusion there is really interesting. That's what I thought 
with when I saw Yom, definitely. And when I what I think when I see this is um I think I had a trail that I that I've I took my sort of Yom tangent when I listen back to this, maybe I'll make a dedicated post when I'm editing this. But this has the potential. I wonder if it has different tiers. Uh it's interesting. I see like yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Again, the word letter six, and then where the seventh. I don't know. I don't know if there's some unconscious intentionality to the numerology of some of these. You know, that just makes me happy, though. You know, and then these flowers. These are not just flowers. These are actually emerging roots of of a tree. So I wonder if these roots culminate in a flower. You know, root flowers. I wonder if that's even something that occurs, like for a flower to, to to emerge from the root of the tree. That would be so beautiful, very intriguing. Holding each of them close to the sort of bosom, um, close to their breast, as they would say, in these old poems. But certainly, yeah, um, as soon as I see this, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, when I saw Yom, I immediately thought uh, Muppets. Um, Christmas future, the ghost of Christmas future. When I saw this very soon after actually sitting with it, I was like, yeah, medieval. Salone degli Eroi, because I played it in Italy, so the Hall of Heroes, and uh, I love that idea. And it's just, it makes me happy, you know? It's going to be easier for me to do my stand ups now, because uh, do you remember I would just stand up on the bed? I'd be like super excited, and I would just like do a little lick. I, you know what I, you know what that is, folks? It's, it's the idea that, um, when I'm old, by the time I'm like 80, I will have created a like a, a lifelong muscle memory to get up when I'm excited. And it'll, I don't know, maybe I have some sense that it'll like stop my bones from atrophying or something. So you gotta like, you have to be like physically display and, and show your, your joy. Like that's me, I just love this. And also a little tiny secret in the background there, maybe a chest of some kind, That's that's lovely. And I will look up the purpose of these. Let's let's have a little look. So, okay, hanging chandeliers in church. So, and this is this is the journey we go on, right? We go here because that looks similar. Let me go here, and then we basically jump around until we find something similar so that we can learn what that thing is. And it's like, or worst case scenario, actually go that you do the what, what is this, you know? You can go to that, that forum on Reddit, it's like, what? Uh, I think it is literally like, what is this, you know? Wow, that's beautiful, just waiting for that. Oh, that's coming with me. Beautiful, turning the, turning the internet into a pin board. One app at a time, Instagram, Google. And just using everything but Pinterest itself, okay. Church lighting, okay. Well, that's certainly... But they're not lamps, that's the thing. They're just sort of dedicated bolts of some kind. Okay. Um, Cathedral de Cal. Ooh! Okay. Medieval hall. I would almost feel like going like anatomy of a medieval hall. There we go. A great hall. Okay, cool. 
Yep, here we go. Excellent. The here we go. Eltham Palace. Save as downloads. Here they are. Almost directly taken, actually, from this same design. Yeah, right down to the sort of ribbed kind of, you know, here, like that sort of tiered decal motif. So it's so interesting. I just, I, I have this fascination with figuring out. Yeah, okay, let's have a look. Maybe it'll actually describe what those things are. Because I'm just curious. I'm sure you guys are too. Hammer beam roofs. Oh, beautiful. And today, folks, you and all of us, we learnt together. Hammer beam roof. Excellent. That's what those are, hammer beams. Presumably alluding to the fact that... Um, I, sp I, I genuinely think it might just be a design thing. It might just be... But let us look up hammer beam roof and Wikipedia. Here we go. A hammer beam roof is a decorative open timber roof truss, typical of English Gothic architecture and has been called the most spectacular endeavor of the English medieval carpenter. They are traditionally timber framed using short beams projecting from the wall on which the raft does land, essentially a tie beam, which has the middle cut out. Also, little aside, yes, like John Tron, I absolutely love architecture and I am an omnidirectionally fascinated human being and I absolutely love dives into all subject matter on my own time. There we go. There we are. So the section of the hammer beam roof, what we're talking about here is the A here, AA, which are the actual hammer beams themselves. Okay. So, right. A roof with one pair of hammer beams is a single hammer beam roof. Some roofs have a second pair of hammer beams and are called double hammer beam roofs. Truss. Timber roof truss. See, the truss is just the sort of thing, the foundational thing, yeah. But uh, a false hammer beam roof in the Great Hall of Eltham Palace, so that's false. Hampton Court's ornate hammer beam roof in the Great Hall. There we go. I still, I just, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the purpose of these hanging decals. Like, they're not lamps. So what does that mean? Oh, look at Wikipedia getting a bit, a bit subjective. A spectacular modern example of the hammer beam roof is the new Gothic roof. St. George's Hall at Windsor Castle in 1997. Okay, it is time to look up hammer beam roof components. Excellent. The hammer beam is the short beam at the base that attaches to the wall. See, it's the one that I'm... Uh, mm, uh, all right, let's read this carefully. All right, a hammer beam is a form of timber roof trust, truss, allowing a hammer beam roof to span greater than the length of any individual piece of timber in, in place of a normal tie beam spanning the entire width of the roof. Short beams, the hammer beams are supported by curved braces from the wall. And hammer posts, there we go, and hammer posts or arch braces are built on top to support the rafters and are typically a collar beam. This is a collar beam. There you go. Collar beam, hammerhead roof, hammer beam. You might be like, oh, but why are you so fascinated? Well, I plan on building a mansion one day. Hell yeah, who shouldn't plan on building a mansion one day? And this is giving me ideas. Oh my God, where is this thing? Like, uh, 
<laughs> it, I think it might just be decorative. Okay, see, this is fucking with me even more, folks. Some hammer bean roofs do have lanterns. <laughs> okay, so I want to something here. What? Okay. So, um, downloads. The, I th okay. Albert, are you ready to, to, to admit that they are simply decorative or they don't have any symbolic meme meaning of any kind? Arch brace truss. Well, this is sounding very Jethro Tull. Double hammer beam. Cha-chung, cha-chung. Yeah, I think it's just decorative. But if I'm not going to look it up now, folks, when will I look it up? Spandrel. See what I mean? This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a medieval word. Yeah, like a medieval word for like what that is. And I, I'm sure it's going to have an amazing medieval word. Word. A spandrel is roughly triangular space, usually, and that's okay. Spandrel is an amazing name, though, and I'll remember that. Um, okay, we're closing in. Oh, here we go. Hammer beam roofs can be highly decorated, including ornamented pendants and corbels, with church roofs often including carved angels. A roof with one pair of hammer beams is a single hammer beam roof, etc. So what we're looking at is the word corbel. Okay. Corbel. Hammer beam. There we go. Keyword search corbel. We're getting close, folks. Uh, not quite. Oh, here we go. Yes, corbel. Yes, similar. But that's at the very, like, that's, at, you know, close to the wall. I want the name for the thing that's hanging. What in the heck is that thing? Pendant. Uh, it's a pendant. Okay. Hammerhead. Hammer beam. Roof pendant. You, you, folks, you all know what I'm looking for. I just want... And like, why is it shaped like an upside down building is my question. Oh, for fuck, I found it. Beautiful. Hammer beam pendant. That is separate, that's right. Um, there we go. So looking at them, I mean, I mean, frankly, like this is what I'm talking about when I mentioned that thing of the shelter. Like I would, if I was like, like a magical creature of some kind, I would like make my home in one of these things, the most unassuming place. It's like this four walled, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, possibly eight sided, amazing little nook to just like chill and have like a little kitchen, like a little, I'd just be this little like borrower. You know, if you've seen the borrowers, we do the borrowers podcast. My God, I love these things. It is like, my obsession now to, to learn more about them. My lord. Well, um, Albert's pendant slash corbel um, journey will continue in the future. Uh, I am closer now than I was before, and I am looking forward to at some point asking. Um, see, there you go, the Pinterest Monopoly. Asking someone out of nowhere, it's like, oh, hi. Would you mind explaining what these hanging things are, please? And then they will say, wow, you really are interested in this extremely specific part of the hall. You know, they're not turrets. Splendid hammer bean roof, exactly, that's right. And this is just about the history. All good. Um, pendants. Yeah. Oh. Ceiling pendant. Oh, 
I, th I think it's pendant. Like pe pen pendulo, like means to hang. So uh, medieval ceiling pendant. Uh, wooden. Okay. Not getting closer, but the oh, see that vague shape. Yeah, we're closer than ever before, and now we just have basically all we needed, um, in essence, uh, for the, for the journey to continue. This is such a strange. Oh my, look at that. That's not medieval. Wow, I, that's frightening. Oh my god, that's an abomination. <laughs> I'm saving it just because that's hilarious looking. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, what was that? Chandelier with like. See, here's a bit of inspo. Amazing. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't know. That's okay. Onwards fourth. So there you go. Now we know that this is a hammer beamed roof. Um, and that those are pendants of some kind. And I will decide in the edit later whether or not to include the grand pendant searching journey. Yeah. In the final edit of the show. But that brings us, my friends, to the end of the screenshots that were released. Uh, please do use this amazing trick. Um, there's uh, over on the Reddit, people are speculating about what the next tweet will be. Uh, I believe they... Um, oh, good to see Guillermo there. Yeah, he would love Elden Ring, definitely. For sure. With his uh, connection to Eco, you know, Shadow of the Colossus, and then with the medieval, with certain components of um, what he enjoys with Pan's Labyrinth, etc. So, good to see him um, trending as well. And yeah, beautiful. So I really enjoyed going through that and just... That was some old-fashioned and now new-fashioned, because that's just the show from from here onwards. Um, you know, deep diving. Beautiful. So, we're going to go audioless. But we will test to see if the audio works. So first of all, we're going to look at the minute straight, right? And then we will review. Ah, one second. Let's take away the annotations. And go volume. Okay, hopefully that's not too loud, folks. Enjoy. go ending us perfectly on that that two minute ish mark right there right here okay folks we begin our um ongoing gathering the shards shot by shot analysis of the summer games fest trailer on this shot the first thing I noticed since, since actually taking this actually deep dive look, obviously the beautiful Celtic knotwork here on the uh, on the pillar. Another faction here, a vague symbol we can't actually really tell. Certainly, there's enough different shape definition to give the idea, and since there's the rampant lion there, to give the idea that there are more than like four. I wonder if there is simply like this six regions and then six you know uh six regions six um rune bearers as i call them um and six different heraldries you know six realms with different loyalties and flags which i would love to see art created for i'm looking forward to seeing the art created for it official end from the community this here this is again just this almost 
incongruous sort of piece here architecturally. Very interesting. Um, you know, it's just a slab of a building, isn't it? You know, repurposed or, or collapsed. Very interesting. So, but for, uh, apart from that, this one is um, is a fairly straightforward scene. You know, uh, we're seeing the the players um, summoning phantoms, or phantoms being summoned, and very unique looking armor sets. I think that is an, an amazing MDK style long helmet, which I love. For the young kids who might remember MDK, Murder, Death, Kill, I believe it stands for. MDK game. If not, I am very, very honored to be the one to show you what MDK is. And maybe you'll be like, oh, I was looking for that forever, because that was me like like a couple of months ago. You know, it was just, just this very, it was almost like a reverse xenomorph face, you know. Always find it really interesting. All the opportunities for free association, so love that. Kind of interesting, but but it's I guess flipped because he's got sort of this spike face. Yeah, just a little bit of a, a lovely nod to that. It's like a really really sleek long helmet. Really really cool. So maybe people might not have noticed that one. Um, I just love these sort of, again, overall, folks, another thing, a huge formative experience for me with medieval imagery is bed knobs and broomsticks. Um, knights. Yeah, who wasn't a hype AF for these knights to show up in bed knobs and broomsticks? I mean, amazingly formative on me, you know? All of this might go into a post later. Right here. They're, they're empty suits of armor animated from a, um, uh, a museum, and they're just sort of walking across. Like, look at this is proto, proto, proto Dark Souls hype in Albert's, like, seven to 11 year old universe. So, heck, I think we might be about to play a clip. I think we are. Substitutionary locomotion. Here we go. Traguna Macoides Precorum Satis So this witch, a good witch, Angela Lansbury, who shout out still with us love and light sending out beautiful healing and health energy for these times and also the voice of the teapot in um Look. in beauty and the beast check this out folks you need this in your life Look at all this, like, Proto-Dark Souls love right here, boom. It's like, where do you think all my love for it came from? Hell yeah. And I kid you not, folks, this witch animates these suits to fight the Nazis. Like, it's a Disney movie. So hype. 
Boom. Look at that. Yeah, Proto, like, oh my god, like, Lord of the Rings appreciation, too. And those things, look at that, like, not even spec, like, they're just, and yeah, the spirits of the dead or whatever, like. Mm hmm. So hype. Like the ancient British like spirits like rise up and like push them away. There's even the winged helmet there. Oh my god, this is so hype. I haven't seen this clip in like fucking years. And like, look how many have assembled from across, you know. And that's like coming from the earth as well. So those ones came from a museum, but ostensibly those are the spirits that like are just saying and like telling the Nazis to like back off, you know. Like this is our land. It's beautiful. Look, look how folks. Do you remember when movies used to breathe, you know? and like take their time and that's a matte painting right there and you know why this pan is going on it's because they took a long time to make that matte painting and yes bring it on that's right yeah lead the charge Ah, hype. Look at that, nine minutes, folks. I highly recommend you dive in. It's an incredible film, very cozy film to watch. Uh, Kid-friendly, obviously, it's Disney. And lots of lovely adventures, and yeah. And again, I'm never opposed to a beautiful, respectful remake or sequel. That would be lovely to return to that world, because uh, so many others have... Um, you know, like Mary Poppins, and they're making a sequel to both The Lion King and uh, the, uh, the, the, the Jungle Book, which I hope has the vultures this time. So I'm just not opposed at all to the remakes because, again, any prompt for, like, a creative prompt, it's like, okay, how would you tell this story but with, like, modern everything 20 years after the fact? Like, that's inherently fascinating to me. And as you know, I'm going through stuff that is known. It's not my creation but I'm coming across things that are giving me ideas for my own creation. So I fielded a question actually to Sir Richard Taylor, uh, the head of um, Weta Workshop, and I uh, it was on the Nerd of the Rings show, and it's, I think, oh, I'd have to guess maybe 30 minutes into the, sh into the interview, and I submitted like a super chat question, which was like, um, you know, thank you for being who you are, doing what you do, but, um, and they're like, thank you. And, and is there, my question is like, what project would you like to do of your own? Like, and he sort of lifted, listed off like um, a couple of ideas he had for for the Middle Earthverse. But basically, it's like as long as it's you know, I I love that idea of someone starting off somewhere and then using that a bit like 
with Christopher Nolan, for example, like he did Batman Begins, and then with the clout that he got from Batman Begins, he wrote he he got to tell like an even bigger story than like the Mentor that he had done, which was like Inception was approved absolutely because of his um, the way he handled um, uh, Batman Begins and uh, The Dark Knight. So that's my thing with the shows actually is like I just love this process of engaging with this extant which means like currently existing you know material um, from other creators and I dive in and I but I'm by having this omnidirectional aspect I just I absorb so much and it is all getting funneled into the quantum myth which it's uh, if you want to know about it it's a hundred stories that I'm telling a hundred parables um, across the span of my life and they all start with the letter the so the hunter, the nomad, the girl, the boy. Um, they're all of this, this sort of list of names that are my creative prompts. And I'm assembling these stories over time. So just like the show, I don't, not interested in taking a typical guaranteed success route. I just want to do it on my own terms. And if it works, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'll be happy knowing I did it my way. And it's and when you do things, you know, here's the thing, folks, if you do things truly your way, it will always be like unique and original because no one else can do it. It's just you. You know, I'm talking about like, you know, having influences, but not puppeting them or not just emulating them, like having them, but then they inform completely different art of your own. And I've taken my approach with, so my thing is art media story. So for my patterns, I just, I don't have any real interest in developing my illustration skills beyond like draftsmanship for like story, you know, some illustration stuff or maybe guide some of the quantum myth artists for and then my patterns, which is just, yeah, I have some ability. I don't feel like developing it any further and that's my art and that's absorbed from uh, morphogenesis. And so that's my own particular spin on art. Um, my particular my particular spin on um, media is this with the the show the channel it's just my own thing, and then the story again quantum myth my own thing so it's crazy we're up to um, probably at four a.m. now something like that yeah four forty six we've been going for a while but it's been nice to kind of lay some of these things out and just riff about them with myself and then all of you as a byproduct so. And again, another thing I highly recommend is do something unto yourself and then whatever it becomes, it will be a byproduct of that. So the goal always has to be for yourself, for sure. Lovely little kind of totem allusions here. Again, nothing is without meaning here. They could just be the tops of like banners, I suppose. Um, that's a nice little banner. All these little details, you know, it's just very sumptuous for the eye. And um, But what we'll do is we'll go normal speed sorry a playback speed 0 0.25 it's better than keep frame by frame and we'll go no audio so here we go this here also let's have a look and, and finally educate ourselves about this just like with the uh, the hammer beam roof so let's go on a little medieval adventure name for woman medieval headdress ears because they look like ears there you go boom female headgear in the middle ages the escafon all right well google i found that very quickly hammer beans very difficult but with this there we go the the two the, the spike like the horns you know it is difficult to pinpoint the exact country of region where the escafon first 
originated because the style as it is now known developed in a number of stages almost over almost a century in the 15th century there were there was an upsurge of interest in large sometimes extravagant headwear which emerged into popular court fashion across europe prior to the 14th century simple veils or hoods which were fitted close to the face had been the most popular form of headwear for women of all ages of, of all classes rather the hair was completely covered by the hood sometimes even shaved or plucked to heighten the hairline this was a common symbol of female attraction attractiveness at the time it's so crazy that like i don't find that attractive at all and i don't think many modern people would find that attractive at all and it's so crazy that like just things change over time you know uh penthesilea penthesilea is as one of the nine female worthies was an amazonian queen in greek mythology the daughter of ares and otrera and the sister of hippolyta antiope and melanipe she assisted troy in the trojan war which during which she was killed by achilles wow she fought badass excellent the nine female worthies let's have a look at this folks look at what we're discovering together in the late 14th century lady worthies began to appear the nine worthies this is Wikipedia, sometimes things are misspelled. They're usually not individualized and shown as anonymous Amazon-styled warriors. In later years, nine of the most illustrious ladies of all ages and nations were chosen from scripture, history, and legend to be placed alongside their male counterparts, though the choices for the lady worthies were not usually standardized and often varied by region, author, and artist. Eustache de Champ added neuf pressus, Preus, uh, in the sorry guys French I try to the list of neuf preux including I'm going to actually ask anyone out there to say this name in one one Penthesilea 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 there you go I'll just say Penthesilea Tomiris and Semiramis Semiramis oh so much to dive into folks down the line hey how about that beautiful much 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 to dive into but yes um an abbess and a window in addition like female an ancestor wow fascinating stuff folks so please do dive in and um let's have a look at this one here that looked amazing who knows maybe the uh, collector's edition of um elden ring will have like a cover that resembles this wouldn't that be nice cronica llamada el triunfo de los nueve oh all this intermingling between cultures no, see, folks, can I also explain, like, you know, if if you're going to have a canvas for your myth-telling, I mean, look at that. Like, that's beautiful. Like, the, there's so much variation, and that's why, like, I think there hasn't been any shortage of silhouettes and armor types, and because they, it really did get extremely customized across different cultures and everything, you know, and... Um, the variation between like French and Spanish and Italian and German and Russian all it's just a beautiful field and very fascinating field to, to dive into as you can see from what we're doing here so now we know that uh, these headdresses are called escoffions there we go and uh, thick circular roll that's right made of wool wool felt or silk Sewing, starching, double-corned configuration, with each horn sometimes being up to a yard long. Wow. Uh, over the headdresses, gauze or silk was sometimes draped for weight distribution or aesthetic purposes. The Scoffion style was a sub-branch of a popular style of headwear called the Henin. Yeah, so it's the one with the um, 
the single corn hen in. There you go. Now, guys, you're learning all this lovely stuff, as am I. Now, Escofion, because I am me, I'm going to go boom. Etymology. I just want to know the origins of those. Uh, why do you think I resonate with Budmont so much? Knowledge, you must learn, must know the thing. Okay. Um, Etim Online. Unless Etim Online does not have it. Look at that. Usually. Oh my god. There you go. Cannot believe that. No results. Okay. This reminded me of yokai.com, by the way. I just want to quickly show you on that Sekiro front, which Elden Ring is proving apparently to have some things in common. Please go to yokai.com. I'm not sponsored or anything. It's just incredible. It's so comprehensive. Look at this. There's going to be something like this for the quantum mythos creatures at some point too. Beautiful. Shout out. Okay, onwards forth we go. I love the sort of um, blackfish style kind of um, scaled armor here. And again, it's Kofion, but with its own take, you know, it's got the veil and the veil is underneath instead of all over and then also a bit on top. All of these you can trace and like find inspiration for. It's beautiful. Again, we're going at this deliberate of a pace. Of course we're gonna find stuff. Little, little, tiny little things. Beautiful, and I love the, obviously the, the art, like, arch gate, no. no, no, cage gate, cage gate, we're gonna, age gate, <laughs> um, name for medieval castle gate, believe me, all of these have a portcullis, there we are, all of these have amazing names, ah, glorious, etymology folks, get into it it's rad and from before the seal the sigil the three rings there on each and every cobblestone henin i think that's that's what that was called we're going to history and there you go yes that's right so she's just doing the traditional henin because she dgaf you know combat henin love it and i love the little again me and my coziness there is no reason that's why i'm standing up there is no reason why they had to put a little candle there. It's just hanging out there, folks. Isn't that beautiful? It's just hanging out. There's no, yeah, like, uh, you know, maybe it's like a something at night to illuminate a certain space. But that's why, again, I predict that a lot of people, even though they'll be going in raring to go as like a traditional Dark Souls titled, I swear we're going to have a lot of Breath of the Wild style moments of just exploring the world and waiting for like, oh, wow, I want this place to, I'm just going to wait here because I want to see what this place looks like at night, you know, what, what kind of secrets we shall see in the stars, you know, dragons flying overhead. The dragon, that, that large one which we'll see soon flying overhead. Ah, look at the stitching. Look at the stitching. Yes. And this beautiful little figure here, which reminds me of um, that sculpture without the um, winged, headless statue. It's very inspiring and beautiful. Yeah, this is the one, the winged victory of Samothrace somehow extremely moving for me it's like i don't know like she's so resplendent and so beautiful oh 
Scout commercial. Um, Sprite commercial. Uh, so triumphant, and yet that's interrupted, you know, and cut short by her headlessness, you know. So you are witnessing my... <laughs> my image saving addiction in full force yeah i i am i have hard drives folks i i am fully prepared for when the internet like explodes and i'll just have you know obviously maybe that'll just do an emp and then i'll have nothing but in case it's just just the internet going down i'm gonna have so many images to like sort through look at categorize print off put in books to preserve the human race you know a quasi alarmist i guess quasi-prepper I guess you could call me maybe who knows what the future holds in the meantime enjoy what we have and I'm very 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 grateful to be healthy and safe and happy for sure why have I not subscribed to From Software yet what's wrong with you boy come on I've I've done like subscription redos like a billion times so get some okay so whips confirmed obviously we knew that um that's it oh well, he, he had to stand up first then react to being stabbed i love the mask too yeah i always love the super long broadswords and that's some very close that's some legolas style close combat action right there you know and again that dual color there the red and green Ah, oh, man, I get transported to my, my time in Montefiore. I believe if I... I have it somewhere. Monte... Uh, del Azo for sale. I wonder if I can find it, because there's actually images I found of the inside of this place. It might be it right here. Is that it? No, this isn't it, it's, but it's it's similar. I'll find it at some point, folks, and then we'll we'll dive through it there. But there's a, they were, they were like banisters and like, you know, I'm sure there was some actual medieval, um, you know, clothing, I suppose, you know, or raiment in that house that we had to leave behind. So, and it just, I don't know, I'm getting memory flashes just from that combination of colors. You know, Quintana actually in Italy, you'll love Quintana. If you don't know about it, Quintana is, oh wait, Italy, La Quintana, that's right, the celebration of Italian medieval culture. So you'll really love this, folks. Quintana di Ascoli Piceno, and it is for Ascoli Piceno, right? Giostra della Quintana. It's like a joust was a historical jousting tournament in Foligno, central Italy. It was revived as a modern, modern festival in 1948. And so that's uh, Della Quintana there, but let's let's look at the specific history of Ascoli. History of Ascoli Quintana. There we go. On the first Sunday of August every year, the medieval city of Ascoli Piceno in the region of Le Marche comes alive for the Quintana, a jousting competition which brings an entire weekend of festivities to an end. Recognition of, and this is this was my childhood, folks. You know, and so you have to register obviously to read, but let's see what we can get away with with the reading mode, which sometimes lets you read a little bit more. Nope. 
leading up to the, and that's where it ends. Oh, okay. What is the Quintiana of Ascolipiceno? And there's like so many beautiful flags and, oh, gorgeous, gorgeous celebration. Historical reenactment that attracts thousands of tourists, a unique moment to take a dip into the past in one of the most elegant cities in our area. It's called exactly Quintana Carousel, one of the most important historical reenactments in Italy. Its origins date back to the Middle Ages, or rather to the 9th century, when E. Saracens, and one Saracens, the peoples from the Arab territories, invaded the territory of the Piceni. The word has a French origin, most likely Quintain. So the meaning of the festival comes from when, during the Roman period, the legionnaires, who trained with the sword and the javelin, had to strike a palace about six foot high, which was anchored to the ground of the road of the camp where military exercises were practiced. So as you know, folks, we saw some jousting earlier in um, in Elden Ring. So there, there's definitely, there was definitely, I think, in researching this one specifically, a lot of dives into... Because we, we just... With... with um, Dark Souls, the premise is that everything's very decrepit and like falling apart. Like most people are just shambling corpses. So there's there's less of an emphasis on like the fashion aspect and like the the like the the you know like like but in the in the lands between and again I'm not saying like fashion souls or whatever. I'm just saying like you know these cultures are still somewhat alive you know it's not too far down the path of like the yarnification you know and so it's beautiful to actually see some of these uh like coming like that that notion of you know variety you know that visual variety of like raiment and um uh dress and bearing and, and caparisons and like like something that has had been just from the inherent premise of dark souls itself like held you know the 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 team at from software sort of were held from that but with this is a is an absolute perfect opportunity for like a, a heavy not just like dipping in like a heavy deep dive into all the different um uh you know like it's just literally the flip opposite from secular secular was a set character set set wardrobe this one is literally unprecedented like variety and as expansive as I'm sure the plot will be, um, you know, with the assistance of like the holder of all the threads, you know, George R. R. Martin. Um, even though I'm sure, absolutely, Miyazaki more than capable of like managing his own like world story threads, but we're looking at the most ambitious story by far, with the most uh, well fleshed out and um, uh, developed cast of characters and regions you know i'm sure each of these regions will have a culture they'll have history they'll have um heraldry you know they'll have all of these you know different aspects to them i, I wonder for example they might be okay so six regions well one is french inspired one is spanish inspired one is british inspired one is italian inspired imagine that you know uh, and then they each have that sort of, and then so that just gives Miyazaki basically the perfect narrative conceit uh, to, um, or excuse, I guess, to be able to like absolutely like okay, everything we we didn't do on the last ones, like we we you know on that like the fat fryer kind of thing, um, or like with the big frill like that, like there was a bit of that in Dark Souls Three, but this one is like I think they're just going to go all out. Plus with that aspect of you know uh, that flip around into pure customization, like like almost like exhaustive customization it's going to be beautiful really beautiful wow anchor to the ground of the army military exercise where 
practice. So quintain, let's look at that etymology and then let us scoot to the next frame. There you go, a target for tilting and jousting practice. So that is what a quintain is. Um, directly from Quintana, perhaps of the fifth, which is a noun meant to be the business part of the camp, a street where the market and form were located, of the supposition that this where is where this is where the military exercises were done. My own etymology there also, because I just like to bring in sort of lateral whenever it comes lateral gleanings, possible gleanings. We'll see. Well they are gleanings, but possibly maybe there being something to it is quinto is like so there's the four legs of the horse so uno due tre quattro four legs of the horse and then the the spear is the quinto the fifth you know the fifth thing coming out of the horse apart from its head i guess you know or you know i mean the head uh, the head of a horse can do damage but it's mostly the hooves so it's like the fifth weapon almost like amazing but i'm sure like there was maybe the fifth tent or something but i love it now that that's now we have a bit more context so there you go. Like I said, interactive, a beautiful platform for um, springboard for deeper inquiry into all these different lovely angles of culture, you know. Now it's just so important that we just have a moment, folks. All right, ready? I'm just going to... Uh, wow. Uh. This dragon, I love everything about this dragon. I love its melted feathers, melted stone metal feathers of gray and gold. I love its stone scaled, maybe the stone scale dragon, I'll call it. Membranes, you know, the twin wings. You know, the you know the the dragonfly like wings you know again maybe an allusion to dragons there this is a form of wing having we've seen a little bit in um avatar i believe if we look at some of the sort of four winged animals we're going to see just how many four-winged animals there are in nature here we go four-winged dinosaur is the biggest ever right here this is what we could be looking at folks right there fossil hunters find a four-winged lizard four-winged dinosaur who knows again maybe you know one thing um we saw in the lead up to death stranding is we had um the crypto biotes you know there was a, a new kind i believe of water bear discovered in um in Japan at the time of of Kojima creating Death Stranding, like during that creativity period, and um, you know, it it made me think of um, you know, and people were like, "Oh, look at that! That's that's your proof there that you know Kojima has like this amazing fourth wall breaking." Um, I know it's atrocious to say it at that resolution, but I'll do a reverse image search later. Um, you know, like, oh, like this thing that um, is going to be in the game is this thing that, like, appeared in real life, you know. Look at this thing. And again, folks, would we have discovered this if we hadn't sort of leapt in this sort of stuff together? That's beautiful. I love also there's a, a whole community, I believe, dedicated to um, 
I said like imagining if like in in like a, a million years from now what someone coming across our culture would imagine a deer to look like it's i think it's called like reverse archaeology or something it's really fascinating so the changyu raptor okay is this four-winged creature it's amazing an actual real f-o-u-r the presence of long feathers on all four limbs also suggests that these dinosaurs could fly so right there simple as that so the changyu raptor is now my favorite dinosaur wow Trying to type around my mic is hard. Stop, just stop. I can't, I can't. <sighs> the white hair has this feel of um, being, I guess maybe slightly related to your character's white hair, if that's if that's a thing that's continuing. I wonder if it might be a red herring though, as like, it's just like the helm, which we talked about. It resembling like the Edoras helm, you know? Oh, sorry, the Rohirrim helm. But quite simply, the reason why I love this one, I wish it was at a high resolution, uh, but it's it's the 4K trailer, so I, yeah. Uh, it will be when we see it in 8K in January. Wow, roll on January, folks. Now this, you know, this, I just, yeah, you see what I mean? Like when something is just so absolutely beautiful, you literally just, you're at a loss for words. And um, there is an artist who is amazing, who paints in just black and gold in it. This reminded me of him. So his, his name starts with a, a Y. So gold foil artist Y. Oh, please. We're going to find them just because of this amazing free association thing that uh, Google is capable of. Here we go. Let's start here. Yes. Um, Gold foil mythology artist. Oh, I typed it twice. Yes, here we go. Yeah, this is a fandom. Johan Lossel. Johan Lossel, everyone. You now, I've you've now met an an incredibly um, worthwhile artist. Johan Lassell, Beowulf. Um, what I would love, what I would truly love is for Johan to be hired to create the special edition of Elden Ring. Ballpoint pen and gold leaf. It is a beautiful aesthetic. I love it so much. Oh, whenever, oh, open a new tab, yep that um has actually been i guess not not following me but uh but I, i've just noticed a, a calling to it i guess it's the uh, like i say it's what i'm doing now is there's bleak times but i'd like i love to find the pieces of gold among them that's probably why this imagery is calling to me so much so rebecca yanovskaya who's now i've now added her to this rebecca yanovskaya and Johan lossel so Johan Lossel Rebecca Yanov Skaya. Boom. Ooh, it's a it's an artist off, folks. Like who 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 resonates with you more? You know? Indeed. Beautiful. Yeah, it's getting saved. 
folks, come on. Like, I mean, you're joining me on this journey and you can see, like, this is just immensely stunning. And look, imagine some of Elden Ring's scenes depicted as so, but this, I am an absolute evangelist for interconnected information and uh, adjacent, like, fascinations. Like, that's what is beautiful about this world is everything being so beautifully connected so i don't like this notion of like oh when is he going to talk about blah 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 you know the forgotten gods the art of yohan lasso wow that is a book that i will now be picking up you just witnessed it live folks this sort of stuff beautiful when it happens oh my research from before hammerbeam roofs haha <laughs> Lots of fun. Ah, uh, yeah, and obviously, hushed and grim. With Masteron just recently, they've, uh, as you can see, golden gray right there. And uh, Paul Romano, who is painting for them. Uh, that's my post from the Masteron podcast that I created. Um, is uh is is adding some gold as well i believe if you look at the the four panel there so but definitely head over to Macedon for that folks absolutely there you go golden gray something solace bringing about it folks for sure and honestly what i what i expect with this character is is for them to be and i believe they are a character i don't know if they'll speak if there is a, a possibility of them being the first speaking dragon that would be amazing um and I believe there's going to be some switch-ups, and they're, they're, they're deliberately keeping that out of the trailers. Um, I also made a note, uh, as in like with like talking dragons and such, and possibly even, you know, um, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, I think there's there's some major shifts that we're just not we're only going to see them when they actually happen because Elden Ring, um, even though some have commented about how it feels like, I mean, it is cross gen. I think yeah, it is. Is it? I think it is cross gen, but um, there's going to be parts where it's like, oh no, no, this this is an absolute shift from what we knew, you know, which is wonderful. I'm really really excited. Um, for the evolutions that this will represent and, and the surprises that it'll bring people, you know? Um, and I just think just because of that George R.R. Martin, uh, Martin connection, I wonder if we've there's some vo vocal talent that we're not actually going to be f um, finding out until later from maybe the HBO kind of area, you know? I would love for, like... I, I, I think I said the Valkyrie, the, the last shot of this analysis, I wonder if it ends on her and it's like she ends up being voiced by Gwendolyn Christie or something you know as in like the next trailer or something you know we'll see so just yeah I, it's my favorite dragon of all time like I've said it like it's it's the the, um, the stone scale dragon from Elden Ring is now my favorite dragon of all time because uh, it, it eschews anything you've known about dragons before like, look at this like iridescent mar like weird marbling going on here it's absolutely sublime and this thing is heavy this is a heavy creature but it is it is suspended by magic and these wings don't so much have heft and lift that they're actually aerodynamic they have magical like almost like hovercraft like the hovercrafts in the matrix which we also do the matrix podcast um i also do the matrix podcast is 
it's so funny there's a bit of green there just as i you know figured i'd mention that there while we're riffing about the matrix but just like the hovercraft in that um series like i like i've always held that to be the case is is if the dragon doesn't look like it could literally lift itself up like the reign of fire dragons which we also i also do the reign of fire podcast um then the idea of them being these extravagant beautiful magical things that they themselves have the property of lifting and that they, they themselves like you can you know flick a a memory or muscle switch and like they will actually start levitating you up and, and you move them to generate that magic and the magic is what lifts you up not the actual aerodynamics so so that fits perfectly with me and and uh, oh yeah so in terms of the setting like we know that this is in sort of this um the shattered montane i'll call it that uh, going off of uh, the the sword arcane montane you know arcane montane the sword highly recommend that song folks give it give it a listen let's close some of these lovely and the best thing also again that that ends up happening i can i can be feel freer to leave more tabs because i'm literally recording this if i if i get it out i can literally go back and to this place in the show so now this part is extremely special to me because as soon as i spotted this thing the i could not get an image out of my head of george r, r. martin and um hitaka miyazaki in like an alternate universe um check this out you know like being like dungeon dungeon master buddies together you know i got such a kick out of writing that let's find it okay shall we it wasn't too long ago oh i guess it was a, a fair bit ago even going there we go so i'll just read it from here so can you or can you not imagine a teenage miyazaki slash martin with a shard hilted sword like this in their musty magical tarp festooned Dungeons and Dragons artifact-filled 1970s-tastic dorms. I gotta show Aaron Yonder this because, uh, you know, dude, it's very Hal the Expert, you know. I can't even, I absolutely love it. The entire art direction of Elden Ring instantly teleports you to the very cockles of Mia Martin's classic fantasy, Might and Magic, Ultima, and Sorcery Loving Hearts. So, if you're wondering about Hal the Expert, here he is. Oh, no other hashtags for Hal the Expert. Come on. He's an expert. Where is he? Aaron Yonder, baby. I mean, this is him dressed as him, with his, like, mystical background behind him. But yes, it is time for an Aaron Yonder break. Here we go. You haven't... Come on. Like, just for that, like, we have to watch, like, a good chunk of one right now. So, e-how, e-how, how, e-how, the expert. From Blame Society, we do the Blame Society podcast too. How to be an expert. There you go. Hal Thompson, boom, the full playlist. So get into it, folks. Like, okay, how to stop goblin. So imagine that sword, right? Right here. Imagine this sword with this amazing, like, hilt. Right? I'll try and get a crisper moment, crisper frame of it. There you go. That's it. A little bit crisper. Imagine that, just sitting there on his desk. I'll just show you here how to clone yourself, how to defeat your phone. They're all classics. A Shuggoth 
how to summon a Shagath. Let's just go with this one for the for the look of it, just so you can see the, the sword. To find the Here you go. I want to show you ehow.com to find the hidden musket of the Kremlings. The hidden musket of the Kremlings. So you just imagine the sword the like right there. The Kremlings use to shoot bees. The musket is hidden pretty good, but if you use this book, you can find a clue. My father wrote this book. Let's see on the back. Once I asked my father if I could find the hidden musket of the Kremlings, and he said, get away from me or I'll slash your face. That's pretty much what he said to every question I asked him, though. Benjamin Scott Campbell asked me how to find it. So if you want to find it, you'll have to capture or slay Benjamin Scott Campbell before he gets to it. Thanks, bye. So he is the most important expert on the internet. And we have to do Hada Shamana Shagath. We have to. It's I'm a classic. I'm Thompson, and I'm an expert. This is ehow.com to summon a shagath. This is what the shagath is. The shagath is good for a drink holder or a trash bin or for devouring someone's head and leaving their body in a pool of their own blood. The first thing you need for the shagath is this book that I found in an underwater cave near the plateau of Ling. Then you need some cream, an old snot rag, and a dollar. <laughs> and, and then you read the text. From the mountains of madness and the underland of the beasts, I found one shuggeth beast forth from the darkness. I summon a shuggeth. I summon a shuggeth. There's the line. That's great. The shuggeth is probably at a wedding. Oh, a note. <laughs> I guess the shuggeth couldn't make it today. But now fuck you off, we're busy. P.S. You're a dumb fuck. <laughs> you want to summon a shuggeth in the future. Their friendliness level is really low. And yeah, that's what happens when you try to summon Thanks a shuggeth. Thanks for watching. And in response to David Pirate Captain Binfield, who wants to know how to fight a shuggeth with a spoon, you can just eat the shuggeth with the spoon. A shuggeth is a lot like pudding. Thanks. A shuggeth, a shuggeth is a lot like pudding, Hal. Thank you very much. Right there. Boom. And I love this sort of aqua tint to the armor. It's beautiful. Lovely. Okay. And this just, I mean, are, are we kidding me? Look at this, this, this beautiful... Well, we're coming up to the two-minute mark. That's when uh, our chapter comes to its end and then on to on to the day shall we after that it's just absolutely sublime it inspires awe i wonder if this is a, a deity dragon of some kind uh, this feels like the music video of like a <laughs> i think there was a, a bill hicks clip hicks cowboy where he had like set up a set and I have a, um, a particular fondness, yeah, something like this, there, there you go, boom. Uh, a particular fondness for locations which look like they were inspired by like onset constructed locations. So I mentioned this with like the Mighty Boosh is, um, uh, or the Forbidden Forest even from, from Harry Potter or Wizarding World. 
uh, there's a certain special and sounds the the, the sound stage vibe. Uh, you know, um, the Green Knight recently did this. Is again spoilers three, two, one. Skip forward if you don't want to be spoiled. But uh, there's a sequence in that film um, with uh, Gawain finding a cottage in the middle of the in the middle of the woods and um, the whole thing felt like a soundstage it felt and like with the mist and there's certain things you can do with a soundstage with like fog and stuff that I just love it and, and, and when they recreate somewhat of that sort of same vibe with lighting even just with with specific shot choices anything that evokes it because it did otherwise I wouldn't be speaking about it and it makes me so happy so is this a armor oh we just saw a bit of armor for um, our spirit steed I did not notice that last time. Just a little bit of sort of like a, an advanced saddle right there, you know? And it means we'll have a different saddle. I, I have not seen that saddle. I will make sure to compare that. So this Grimace here, look at that. He's like, hey, 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 you're about to get it. And then this thing of like almost stretching, it's like, it's very, again, that's a human-esque forearm. So I believe this just like with, in Norse myth, uh, Nidhogr turned into a human. I think it was a dwarf that turned into... No, it's not Nidhogr. It was Fafnir who turns into... Fafnir was a dwarf that turned into a man. Sorry, a, a, a dwarf that turned into a dragon, you know? And, uh... Man, this thing looks threatening, evil, divine. And certainly with that power there. Just so... Come on, like, this is just... Insanity, insanity. That that visage, you know, and this very Yormian Miyazakian, which is now officially, it's actually a Miyazaki. The spindly limbs, you know, the spindly limbs, big hands, you know. I'm glad to be quasi Miyazakian myself. Is a a, a design trait of uh, of from software, and I love it. Um, what we're going to do here is pause. And I'm going to bring up the exact imagery that this evokes right here. We're looking at Amano Yoshitaka horse. Absolutely inspired by that. So Amano's horses are there. They have this iconic feel because he has this thing with the hero and the, the mount, the steed, which I have um, uh, I'm actually writing a book about. I've conceptualized it, and um, the mounts of myth across, you know, fantasy and history, and uh, fantasy and, and, and mythology. You know, the epic mounts of myth. Yeah, I'm working on the title, but it's just going to be called Steed, and then the epic mounts of fantasy and myth. I think. Um, yeah, that'll be it. I think. That'll be it. No more. I think that's it. Steed, the epic mounts of fantasy and myth. Yeah, sometimes you have to be like, no, that's what it's called. <laughs> and so then look and see this thing of the... Um, there's a shot specifically, and I know which one, you know, that I'm, I know that you know which one I'm talking about in the earlier trailer of him leaping straight up in the air, you know, on this. So the way that that steed sort of angles itself and the poses, you know, that it has, like, that is absolutely, and this is a directly inspiration for um, a quantum myth creature. Shall we look it up? Only if only if I can find it quickly, okay? Do I have that available? If I don't, that's okay. 
and I will hook up the thing later and we'll talk about it later. And in fact, to make it its own thing is to honor it more. So beautiful. Yeah, so there's these creatures um, in the quantum myth which essentially resemble this. There's, see how this is like a kangaroo type skyhopper creature? Uh, and it's the the mount of the, the mage, the king's mage, which is the story there. So, and yes, we do have a Vampire Hunter D podcast as well. I'll just say we because I guess I'm many selves. So if it just slips out, I, I won't constantly correct myself. Beautiful. Okay, wow. Beautiful. Right there. And so let's flicker between the two so that you know what I mean. Right here. Boom. 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 You might be like, oh, well, that's just angling. Because, like, believe me, look, you're noticing a. a um, a predilection for a certain angling of limbs and hooves with with Amana and 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 with the horns especially so one thing is if you go um, Vampire Hunter D's mount like you see he always has something where it's like it has these like I mean everywhere the horns try and find Amana without some kind of see horns sticking out he always adds a beautiful little angle and a horn to um oh it's a, a, another artist yeah there you go see Art, artistic discovery folks yeah he always has this thing of adding horns and and um claws and like beautiful little uh, uh, ways to sort of culminate shapes it's beautiful so and it's i oh, yeah, yeah, i sometimes get so spoiled for choice with this stuff and I will. I've I've gone on extensive deep dives there, but the the chief one I'll show you. There's there's one there as well. Oh man, this is so hard not to just like dive in. Ah, glorious. Okay. Um, boom. That's what I wanted to show you. What? 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 The horned mount. It is an Amano staple, and it is wonderful and beautiful. And it makes me grateful, and it also makes me hope in my heart that we will see Vampire Hunter D. Open world title, revival, all of it. As Ray once said to me, the whole world could benefit from psychoanalysis. Everyone could benefit from a little of it. I think the whole, I agree, first of all with her. For interactive, I believe every single property would benefit from an open world, third person action, story driven RPG. That's my favorite format of title. And Red Dead did it. Uh, Corey Balog did it with God of War. Uh, even though that is like a little bit more corridory, you know, but that's okay. It's that same format. It's it's stunning. And Elden Ring is the epitome of that. And I believe this has the very real chance of, um, in a in a positive way believe me like horizon has held on to that title for many years now sort of breath of the wild horizon and then from me from elden ring onwards i will say look at this fucking image of this dragon i'm sorry but look at it oh dear lord look and like the waves of energy flowing off it like aurora borealis and just that pose it's so like elegant and beautiful ah like that itself is just, I'm just going to share that at some point. Beautiful. That was self-sentence interruptingly beautiful design right here. Um, yeah, I think Elden Ring is going to surpass Horizon. As like my, I want all titles to be like this, please, title, you know. There we go. And let us not miss this beautiful in-law justified. 
in your in-law explainable double jump because it is a spirit seed that can use the ether on pawn which to make platforms and again this reminded me obviously raya the last dragon rain jumping running on raindrops here we go that beautiful sort of little like a little prance you know a little beautiful little prance i loved it it was great so I don't know why that's not letting me go backwards. So I don't know. We're gonna go back a couple of seconds there, are we? At a time, five seconds at a time. Okay, prounce. I love it. Ah, oh, beautiful. And then that—that that is the um, like the aftermath of the wrestling move shot almost. But to get real for a sec, it is. It's just uh, cataclysmically beautiful. And, and also something, again, didn't notice in the last exploration is this corruption here, which almost looks like um, squid suckers, you know? Um, or the rot. That's, that's basically the rot from Dark Souls 3. Beautiful. More beauty that just, like, actually defies description. The Wolf Knight, or... As many are saying, it's more like a feline. Although I will argue, like felines have more sort of um, like flatter faces, even though they have some elongation there. But the white lion knight, let's just call them. Uh, already iconic again, the black Yoan Lassell, you know, and Rebecca Yanovskaya, you know, right there, boom, beautiful. A stunning maneuver and this is again this is where the 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 pace of the trailer picks up and simply stunning um move sets for sure but we're looking for these little hidden details again this thing of the statuary merged with these it's just it's such a unique take and of course it invites inquiry and what could it be this this idea of the fused skulls and, and bones and remains fused into and again not just aesthetics it's not just pointless always Miyazaki there is some reason there you know um very Alita actually I'll say this one here with a definitely I'm sure there was a bit of inspiration from Alita the shrine behind them is very interesting too I think we'll enter that that area hopefully fingers crossed with by um by Drake you know or by Wyvern Wyvern for sure. I love these flowers here as well. Let's have a look at a little bit of flower symbolism for them. Long, oh, white, if I'm, I'm already typing. Long white flower. Let's just do a bit of image skipping just to see if we can locate them. Okay, similar, okay. So it's not just the, the, the other ones before, this is a specific kind. Color, color lily. There it is, right there, boom, and boom, 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 Aurora, color, lily, symbolism. Sorry, it's just because I'm typing around them. So when I have the, the boom thing here, I'll be able to type freely, folks, I apologize. And to myself, because I'm sure it's just going to be like, as I'm going through the edit, I'll be like, Okay, typing typing well, I guess, typing the best you can. The Carla Lily flower is the official bloom to represent a sixth wedding anniversary. 
Again, number six keeps coming up. I wonder if it's number six, and I'm sorry to be this guy, but if Miyazaki doesn't count Dark Souls too, <laughs> right? Because、um, he didn't direct it. Like that's not a Miyazaki directed title. Every other one was directed by him, and marketed as being directed by him. And after that, he said, "I'm never doing that again. If it's my title with my thing, my universe, I want it to be me. Not as an ego thing. It's like I just want to guide it that way." So, the sixth wedding anniversary. So, because of the flower's uniqueness, it is often used to mark life's rites of passage. More broadly, the kala lily means purity, holiness, and faithfulness, which goes back to its religious significance. So, again, that's going to be something that I'll be making a little post about. Taking a little screen capture there, even though again, Albert. You know, you have this recorded, silly boy. So right there, and then obviously let's bring up、um, Alita, porcelain arm. There we are. So this is obviously what、uh, immediately came to mind. I mean, it's the arm there, but it could be the leg as well. And yeah, it's, that's the ZBrush thing. So. That's kind of cool. The white and gold also looks cool, as well as black and gold. There we are. So if Google doesn't want to freak out, there we are. You're gonna zoom in for my. No. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's do our little flip. Boom. Boom. That filigree, you know, component. That yeah, it definitely doesn't look like. See that right there? That's a hinge right there. So she has a her her limbs are rotting off, I believe,、um, as she continues to protect the rotting and dying oak tree. Is my theory right there? This here is a certain Gordian knot of some kind. This is again, folks, with, with what we do here, it's like retracing the steps of the creative team, and then just of this world coming into being. You know, it's. It's worthwhile just in that exercise of just wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And then you just discover on the way to it, just like we discovered about hammer beams today, in escalchons. You know,、um, I think that's what they're called.、Um, and、uh, you know, I got to reconnect with Johan and, and then discover Rebecca. Incredible. But this is just wonderful. So we have here one, two, three, four, five, six. So so there's three interlocked shapes. Three interwoven circles, which could represent the three of those circles coming into one and laying themselves, weaving, because that's how、uh, these Gordian knots kind of work with each other. So, Gordian knot, yeah, something like that. The knot of leadership. Okay, so when we do this, we'll do the little comparison there. Little flick, flick, boom, boom. Boom. Gordian knot of leadership. Thank goodness for autocorrect. I promise I'm actually not that bad at typing. In Greek and Roman mythology, the Gordian knot was an extremely complicated knot tied by Gordius, the king of Phrygia in Asia Minor. Located in the city of Gordium, the knot came to symbolize a, a difficult problem that was almost impossible to solve in liberal democracies.、Uh, leadership is complex, so Gordian knot. There we are, beautiful. It is a deliberate evocation, I believe, of the Gordian knot right there. The Gordian knot is a legend. 
uh, of Virgian Gordium associated with Alexander the Great is often used as a metaphor for extracting, uh, for, for an intractable problem, uniting an impossibly tangled knot solved easily by finding an approach to a problem that renders the perceived constraints of the problem moot, cutting the Gordian knot. Turn him to any cause of policy, the Gordian knot of it he will unloose familiar as his garter, Shakespeare. So, very, very complex knot to tie. Uh, so the situation is come also this this material here also definitely evokes like the um, the um, the 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 being that has this um, fungus growing on their face. So what that means is like the like the world is now complex. It's not pure anymore. There's there's a complexity to it. Like the 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 rings are not distinct anymore. They are interwoven. They're 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 Venn diagramming, and that's that's not good, so to speak. There we go. There's so much about the symbolism of the Gordian knot, and not so much about like. I guess. Um, oh no, there's a, there's 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 more about the. Um, uh, look at this again. It's all. It's just Celtic, folks. Like like look to Celtic first for some of your answers for sure. If you're diving deep. The uh, mystical knot of longevity. So the Erd tree, eternal tree. Um, eternal balance and uh, this woman this eternal guardian to that tree it absolutely fits there's a, a beautiful sense to it there of eternity but also um, there's a hole there as well there's, there's, they could have added an extra little couple of knots there but there's a deliberate hole there because I think there's a hole in her um, there's something incomplete about her mission you know I mean I just looked at that tree this golden tree and again that is the golden tree that's a golden root with um this uh, mottling going on here and it's a bittersweet vision i mean I, I i this reminds me of like i don't know like the scenes in bambi like these golden golden leaves in like a disney film or something it's and there's a sorrowful sorrowfulness to this character and i believe that she will be um prominent in the story and um that she will uh, i think she might be the focal point of the collectors you know with a statue of her she seems very she's literally a statuesque like tall so and then this is the concluding shot and we will keyframe that briefly onto the Erd Tree Sigil here, which I highlighted in a post a couple of weeks ago, probably about a month ago. One, two, three, four, five, six distinct kind of emanations. One, two, three, four, five, six. You can also read that as the sort of central one, as in Maraika herself. And uh, that is my sort of... Um, interpretation of this woman she is at the the base of the earth tree and she guards it she protects it while the um uh the bramble-faced lord is uh, has has defied his his duty as being uh maybe an erd knight as she is and um and is suffering because of that like her corruption is taking place on one side like her arm is is gone her leg is gone but she has this composer and dignity whereas his is just all over the place because there's that discord within him you know so folks that actually brings us to the end of um our venture into the lands between um for this one so i hope you had a fun time joining me along this journey of discovery using these uh, visuals um as springboards for deeper and wider eclectic inquiry 
Uh, I hope you found some of the places we all went into speculation-wise to be stimulating. I loved learning about the kala just then. So beautiful, um, tied in with and like it's just full of kala flowers, which I'll, I'll make a post about. That'll definitely happen. And um, I think there was there may have been one thing left with the Gordian knot that I may have wanted to to dive into. I think I specifically, you know, you know me, I'm OCD, and this is like Gordian knot myth. Let's see if we can maybe end on a on a mythology about it. All right, Gordius. Here we go. According to legend, Gordius was a peasant who married the fertility goddess Cybele. When Gordius became king of Phrygia, he decided he dedicated his chariot to Zeus and fastened it to a pole with the Gordian knot. Although the knot was supposedly impossible to unravel, an oracle predicted that it would be untied by the future king of Asia. So that sense of the thought to be untouchable, the thought to be indestructible coming apart and then a hole being in the middle of it which is the earth tree which is consistent mythologically and symbologically with this shattering of this eternal balance you know that that existed there you know it's so funny we call things eternal until they're not you know <laughs> uh. many individuals came to gordium to try to undo the knot but they all failed then according to the tradition the Greek conqueror Alexander the Great visited the city in 333 BC after searching unsuccessfully for the hidden ends of the Gordian knot. Alexander became impatient. In an unexpected move, he took out his sword and cut through the knot. Alexander then went on to conquer Asia, thus fulfilling the oracle's prophecy. Wow. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Ah, boy. He cut it. How about that? The undoable, and yet it is shattered. There you go. The Elden, the, the Elden Ring has ties to the Gordian Knot in many ways, and is itself a Gordian Knot that was cut through and shattered. So, See also Sibel Midas, oracle, priest or priestess, or other creature through whom a god is believed to speak. Also the location such as a shrine where such words are spoken. Prophecy, foretelling of what is to come. Also something that is predicted. So what tells me is that uh, a prophetess, you know, Melina might be this oracle through whom maybe the Elden Ring herself is speaking and guiding you to repair this um, shattering, this cutting of this Elden Gordian knot. So... All right, folks, have a lovely rest of your day. I have been asking myself from a certain point of view to at some point in the video to, to mention if you enjoyed what you just listened to or, or watched, um, feel free if you if you want to subscribe, um, to like the video. If, if you wanted to, you can click the like button. Um, there's also the little bell notification icon, which makes sure that when I post a new anything, that it'll come up to the top of your feed. And I've heard other YouTube folks say this, like it helps the algorithm find me, I suppose, if you share the channel. And um, you can find the show in an audio format um, on all major pod podcast platforms. The hub of that is anchor.com forward anchor.fm forward slash Elden Ring which auto distributes it to Spotify and Apple and everywhere else um, and um, yeah be well and till next time bye for now
rinnovio della Quintana di Ascoli Cielo dedicata alla Madonna della Pace è 